Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. And welcome one and all to our very patriotic 4th of July episode. That's right. I am feeling extremely, extremely uh, uh, in love um, with my, my country right now. Uh, because we are here to celebrate, of course, the one and only American Dream. That's right, baby. Oh. We're doing a Dusty Arc. Let's fucking go. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Just oh, in time okay. for I was, July. I didn't really know what to think of you doing a 4th of July bit in January. But, okay, it's because no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's America Day. I guess. Yeah, we are we are doing a Dusty Roads arc on this podcast. Uh but and more broadly, this is our first time in an NWA arc. Yes. Now, this is to my understanding NWA WCW, right? It's not WCW yet. Oh, okay. We will I'll get to that. I prepared so much history I know. lessons for this. I'm about to learn. Let's, I'm fucking excited. Let's get, but yeah, today we are going on the road to Starcade 1985. Yes, which uh, which I didn't realize they were doing Starcades in 1985. Right. I guess it makes sense because like arcades definitely existed in 1985, but it just NWA feels so not not arcade. It feels not with the time <laughs> yeah sure uh so i guess you know we do try to cater to the noobs of this podcast and if you've watched and you don't know what the nwa is then let's go ahead and start with that and then i'll get into because i we this is a monumental period of time in wrestling 1984 to 1985 was genuinely a history a history changing time in the industry and I will okay. kind of explain why. Uh, but first, the NWA. So in the 1950s, all of the major wrestling promoters around the country all kind of got together. And they said, what if uh, we came together and we agreed to <laughs> stay out of each other's <laughs> ways <laughs> on a competitive oh. level? Uh, boopity pop. True. Again. Again, wonderful Fourth of July theming. What what greater American practice than the 1950s cartels? <laughs> yeah, so they basically agreed to the idea. Uh, it was the idea. They basically presented themselves as the kind of governing body of professional wrestling. Is all of the major wrestling companies around the country, and because you got to remember, at this point in time, wrestling was very regionalized. It, mm -hmm. It's not anything like it is today, where pretty much any company, all the top companies are global, if not at least national. And like the idea of a regional wrestling company is at least like third or fourth tier level wrestling company. Like even in the, even the major indie promotions like like GCW have a national reach. Yes. So, but at this point in time, it was very regionalized. Mm -hmm. You know, you you wherever you were from, you had like the local wrestling company, and that's about it. 
Um, and the NWA kind of helped codif codify that by agreeing to stay out of each other's ways. Share, but they but they're willing to share talent across the promotions, and specific especially share champions. The they basically they had the committee of the biggest bookers of member of the biggest members of the organization voted on the war on a world champion, a tag champion. There's a junior heavyweight champion. There's a women's champion for a while there, even though Fabulous Moolah usually just kind of owned the belt, and so she was the champion. Huh. For oh, like God. 50 years or whatever. Right. Um, and the champion, and those champions were passed around. The idea was if you paid your dues with the NWA, no matter how big or small you were, you would get a certain number of dates with the, war, with the NWA champions because they were a truly traveling national champions. The best uh, of the best among the, among the world. And then as a, as a point of, as a, as a point of curiosity, real quick, was mm. like talent sharing a thing outside of the NWA? As far as you know, like was that a common practice? Um, or did you otherwise kind of like stick to your territories? It, I mean, journeyman still existed, but I don't think it was is okay. is is explicit of an idea of like you of we're trading talent. It was more so that like the concept that like a wrestler would be under contract that a wrestler couldn't just kind of take whatever bookings they could get and could afford to get to like, like the idea of, of exclusivity, what wasn't like such a big deal that like, like it wasn't it talent, talent sharing. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like whatever got whatever book, like, Nobody talent shared, but like the idea that, you know, there is that the regions had that kind of control over talent wasn't really there either. Okay. So, so that, I guess, I guess that's kind of what I meant. Not, not talent sharing in that, like someone belongs specifically to a company, but, but like more that guys could travel around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. They, they, people usually had a home promotion for the most part. It's usually where regionally, yeah, yeah, they were, of course. Ob, yeah, but like it's not trading in the way that, like, as an example, an NFL, NFL teams trade with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, it's not like, it, it, you know, it wasn't back in the day. Uh, 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 Fighter McGee, uh, is, mm -hmm. is, is hashtag all WCCW. Like, yeah, no, that's, yeah. It didn't work like that, but I guess when I say talent sharing with the NWA, I mean it's kind of like this understanding of like if you work in the NWA, you could go to any other NWA territory, and bookers could kind of like push you to go to different territories if they felt that would be better for you, okay. or if you needed see if you needed some bit more like road experience or whatever. They so could, the they NWA took the standard practice of the day and kind of formalized it within their own bounds yeah okay cool mm -hmm. but it, and it was like and the, and again the idea is the promoters were cooperating with each other to yeah, use the course. wccw example is fritz von eric or jack adkinson if i'm feeling like using his real name shooty shoot shoot Bang, could call bang. up Sam Muchnick in St. Louis or the Grams in Florida and be like, "Hey, oh. I got a guy. I got some, I got some guys who I think 
you know, could do well in your territory. You got, you got, you, you, you want them, you want to book them. Like I need, they, I need these guys season up or something like, like you could do stuff like that. Okay. And then, so it exists. It was founded in 1948. Um, and it kind of stayed as strong as it could be through for about 30 to 40 years there, nearly 40. Um, you did have disagreements within or of the org, obviously. Again, they booked the champions by committee. They booked the champions mm-hmm. by committee, and all the bookers have their own personal interest in who they want to be the champion. Usually yeah. reach their own regional guys. And that's and that's what got Vince Sr. to break off, right? Yeah, and- if you look at the biggest name people who left the NWA, like the AWA in Minneapolis, Vern Gagne's joint, and mm-hmm. the WWF, Vince Sr.'s joint in New York, that was a big reason why. Is they were like, no, we want our guy to be the champion. And they're like, no, we don't want that. So they're like, fuck you. We're <laughs> going to make our <laughs> own. <laughs> Outstanding. But it should be understood, though, that just because Vern Gagne or Vince McMahon Sr. weren't explicit dues-paying members of the NWA did not mean that they were enemies of the NWA. Oh, oh, the, the you can take the man out of the cartel, but you can't take the cartel out of the man. They were still, they still believed in the, I guess, mission of the NWA. <laughs> the, the American dream, if you will. <laughs> and this is important and this and so and this is important is the is they were united with the NWA when situation when conflicts arose for example when they were investigated by the federal government for potential anti uh antitrust laws uh the WWWF was and other outside organizations were happy to help make sure that wrestlers uh weren't uh didn't uh say anything to the feds that might uh do it that might harm the org <laughs> fair enough and in addition you also had smaller independent promotions that tried to get in on nwa territory they were they were known as outlaw mud shows oh nwa oh. called them and oh well, that adds a whole lot of baggage to that term that I didn't know existed. Yes. Uh, Jim Cornette still uses that today as a derogatory and that is a pejorative. And that's a where that comes from. Of course, a fucking course Cornette is such a fucking dweeb that he unironically uses that term as a, as a but, pejorative. But the outlaw shows, uh, the NWA always sought to stamp out smaller wrestling promotions yep. that muscle in on their territory and and people like the aw and companies like the awa and the wwwf were willing to play along with that we're willing yes. to assist them in those efforts okay that's that's fun that's mm-hmm. great thank you vince thank you Vern. i'm using the wrong fingers there we go yeah. um but then came 1984. 80, no, I think Vince. I think Vincent K bought in 83. Then came 1983 <laughs> when Vincent Kennedy McMahon, Vince Jr., bought the WWF out from under his father. And he said, "Cartel, that's old school. Upgrades, people." It's Monopoly time. 
basically Vince presented a unique challenge to the NWA in that before the NWA had two kinds of competitor competition. There was internal conflict, which was usually settled. They settled that business in-house. Sam Muchnick, the president of the company from night of the NWA from 1953 to 1972 was kind of considered a God at, 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 uh, at, um, uh, mediation and was yeah. able to help keep everything in line. Uh, but he retired in the early eighties from wrestling entirely. And, uh, Jenner and it's broad. I'm not going to go that deep into NWA history uh, this part of time, but it was kind of considered um, that when Sam Muchnick retired, the NWA did not quite have the caliber of leadership that they had before, and yeah. internal and internal conflicts were get were getting much worse than they used to be. I recall I recall reading that in Ringmaster, uh, kind mm. of how the internal. Um, the internal strife of the NWA kind of exposed those weaknesses that Vince was able to like pick at a little bit. Yes. Yep. Uh, oh, before I go any further, I want to say is that I actually did a decent amount of research for this episode more than That's I usually great. do. Yep. Usually I'm just watching uh, and making, watching tele episodes and making, and making my own observations or going off of what I kind of already know and have picked up over the years as a wrestling fan. But I did consult the books to make sure I had all the stuff right this time. Yes. So I am going to cite my source. Uh, the, ma the majority of the information that I'm saying here today will be from Death of the Territories by Tim Hornabaker. Yes. Uh, it, is a, it is a fantastic book. It is a bit of a dry read at points because Tim Hornabaker has like, the attendance numbers of every major show that has ever happened in wrestling, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and he the, just the, the, the wrestling Bible book of numbers, as, as you do. Yeah, and so there are sections of the book and it's just like reading off attendance figures, which helps contextually understand the business of where things are moving, but it's not the most interesting way to talk about it. That's I I do I do find that fascinating and also really funny that there have always been those motherfuckers who will just have that information like mm. fucking step aside Meltzer this is a whole new goddamn level holy shit yeah but I think Tim Hornbaker does the bet in my opinion has does a fantastic very thorough job of covering how the territories fell apart within the mid eighties yeah. Uh, and I also do want to shout out to uh, the the book that you and I have both read, Ringmaster, Vince McMahon, The Unmaking of America, Abraham Reisman, another th another great book, widely cited already, despite being a relatively new publish. Um, mm. uh, in in when talking about this early era of wrestling, um, highly recommend checking that out. It's a really compelling, really compelling read, and doesn't quite have the the dryness of the hornabaker book <laughs> if you're looking yeah. for something that's got a bit more of a narrative to it yeah um, but so but as i was saying the nwa normally kept itself in-house or they were dealing with small independent joints that the collective power of the nwa could handle because i can't emphasize this enough pre-1983 Every major wrestling company in America was either in the NWA or allied to the NWA. You had no prospects in wrestling if you were not on good terms with the NWA. That sounds about right. So 
Vince, though, Vince has a shitload of money. He yeah. Was, the WWF was a huge promotion at the time. Yes. So it's not like the NWA could just bully him out of business. But he also had no care for the NWA taught. Like, he didn't give a shit about any of this, like, let's all just stay in our own lane stuff. Yeah, he, saw, he, he did not he have saw, that loyalty that his father did. He saw the potential for a national wrestling product, especially in the wake of cable of national cable television becoming more and more normal across America and decided I'm just going to go for it. And so the NWA didn't really have a good answer for that. They were flailing at what, at trying to stop Vince's conquest. They were like, yeah, they, they seemed to just like the, like, they knew what to do if someone was an easy bug to squash, but if that bug got the slightest bit bigger, they go, hmm, now wait wait a second here. This is not, not what I'm used to. Like, they tried... So 1984 is, is mainly categorized by Vince goes on an all-out blitz to absolutely get his company into as many markets and as front of many cities as possible, and... Every major wrestling company trying and mostly failing to actually fight back on this. Yeah. Um, and I assume this is not only NWA people, but like the the other like yes, high, like the baby AW, promotions that the, were like, like the book, the high Hornabaker's book talks about the struggles of the AWA and of WCCW in Dallas and mm-hmm. Wait, Jim Croc- WCCW wasn't NWA? Well, they actually they were NWA. They one of the they were one of the bigger members of the NWA. Yeah. Um, but talks about that like them struggling. And the they talk about Jim Crockett. Um, who else? Those are the big ones that are like were completely decimated by 1984, especially the AWA, where Vince just bought up all of their stars. Fuck, I forgot about that. Didn't he... He didn't Name get Andre Hulk from Hogan. Penn, did he? Hogan was no, an AWA Andre, guy, you're right. Hogan was the big AWA guy they took. he took away. Okay, that's that's who it was then. Yeah, that's the biggest name. Like, But he took everybody. Like, Mean Gene came from the AWA. Shit. Uh Bobby Heenan came from the AWA. Uh, I believe... Where did did Piper and Val Slaughter came from the AWA? Whoa. Um the Iron Sheik came from the AWA. Like it was it was everybody <laughs> that he could pull Jesus out of there. Jesus H Christ. That's uh Perfect Perfect came from the uh, but though Perfect was a little bit later. Uh Perfect was an AWA guy though. The Rockers were AWA guys, but again, that was later. Um, I don't have a list of like every major store and where they came from in front of me here. But, you know, that was, he he picked those bones dry on the AWA. And they struggled, and they struggled hard to combat that. That makes a lot of sense because he's not only trampling over their audience, but over like their ability to draw. Yeah, from and then, and and not just he didn't just take talent; he took their TV slots. Vince McMahon. Yes, yep. Vince McMahon walked his ass to every 
television broadcaster he could get a hold of and basically undercut all their deals. If they were paying, if they were paying the, if they were, uh, if they were getting paid $5,000, if the other companies are getting paid $5,000 from the TV companies, Vince would take it at 2000. If they were going, if they were taking those air shots for free, Vince would pay them to air <laughs> his product. He did not give a shit how, favor he would he didn't care how unfavorable these offers were to his own company he wanted those tv slots he would he would eat any cost to aggressively undercut their entire biz local business mm-hmm. models of mm-hmm. all of these come of all of these territories and that's the genius of vince mcmahon he played the long game in like mm-hmm. an insane radical way that nobody else in the industry was fucking doing yeah I, I, partially because i assume like the cartel system just just put a fucking like uh, an, inhib- an inhibitor in everybody's head for a certain level of like strategic thinking when it came to shit like this. Because a little bit, like they, they don't have to deal this. with. They've never had to deal with this kind of shit before. Yeah, it was it was a shock to the system. And in addition, um, Vince was much bigger in t- into TV than everyone else was, which is. Vince would tell you that was his own brilliant forward thinking, but part of it admittedly was history where in the 1970s, the NWA tried to aggressively add into television. And what they found was it nearly killed their live gates. They ran into this problem of like, if we put all the wrestling on TV then the fans are like, well, I guess I've seen that. Don't need to go to the live tit shows. And that's still where the money is coming from. So they were like, so the answer they took from this is be careful with television or you'll oversaturate and overexpose and kill the business. Is the, that's, is the lesson they took from that. Wait, that's actually crap. I didn't think there was any precedent for that kind of like attitude that was actually a thing what the no, shit wrestling wrestling was a major television draw pretty much as soon as television started airing wrestling well yeah and, of course. And, right as in like even into the 50s and 60s and so the nwa tried to to play off of that idea but and i don't know where they went wrong necessarily but because obviously that's not like the idea that television would kill live gates today is absurd. That's an insane idea. <laughs> if you look yeah, at of 2023, 2024 wrestling, but in the NW, that is what happened in the NWA times. They tried to aggressively push TV and all it did was kill their own live gates. So Holy they shit. said, Crazy. we got to back off. Oh my God. And that's the thing is they thought Vince was that they were scared of not just, they thought Vince was going to kill the business. Not just their business, the business. They they By thought exposing it to TV too much, and because of his and because of his style of wrestling, they all hated it. They all looked at Vince's style of wrestling as a cartoon clown show. <laughs> that which, like which it was, and even if they acknowledged that he was making a ton of money doing this because he did, they also thought you're gonna burn it all away. Like they thought this is like he'll get rich quick now, and then what's going to be left in five years? Yeah. And Vince didn't share these concerns or give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Money, money. I mean, to be fair, if Vince had to like, if Vince 
collected for five years and then had to get the fuck out of Dodge, I have no doubt that he would have done so laughing maniacally all the way. Sure, sure. Uh, but basically the in the NWA was like scared about what the future of the NWA and wrestling was like under Vince would be under Vince. And so they decided they have to, they got to figure out a way to stop him. They got to get, they got to do what they figure out a way to stop him. And the biggest way, and they hitched their wagon to Jim Crockett promotions. So to kind of tie into one specific little regional here, um, is the, is Jim Crockett promotions is settled in, in North Carolina, um, run by Jim, you, you guessed it, Jim Crockett. Um, they had a T, a regional TV show, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and uh, their big hometown boy, maybe you've heard of him, was Ric Flair. Nah, nah, don't know who the fuck that guy is. So as you, so he was, he was, this was his home base, and. He was obviously NWA champion. He was the goaded NWA champion as a draw. And so Jim Crockett Promotions had a significant power balance in the NWA because the champion was his guy. Yeah. And and, and he, he who controls and, and and not only that, like his champion was just one of the biggest stars in the entire industry. Um mm-hmm. So he who controls the Ric Flair controls the universe, or at least the territory. Yep. The, what's the the tattered remnants of the territory system? And so, and not only that, he also gained a significant number of power in with the other major area power of the time, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Which now I got to back up a little bit to talk more about Vince because this is important. I think okay. is. In September of 1984, was known as Black Saturday, mm. where Vince McMahon had successfully purchased the TBS Superstation TV slot away from Georgia Championship Wrestling. Georgia Championship Wrestling was another top promotion of the area, specifically because it aired on nationally broadcast TBS Super Turner's TBS Superstation. Good old Turner. And, Vin, and Vince bought out their time slot. And so on Saturday at 6.05 Eastern on TBS, ev- when they everyone tuned in for Georgia Championship Wrestling, it was Vince McMahon who, who opened the show. Yeah, his special WWF broadcasting. I remember. I remember reading about that. Yeah, that's so fucking crazy. Now the thing is, though, this move didn't work. Uh, and I'll basically Vince's strategy, uh, t- in terms of like getting named, getting, um, getting into entering into territories beyond just buying up all their stars and mm-hmm. buying their TV slots, is like when he actually put it booking shows there. He basically would just throw all his big stars in this new area, especially local area stars. That was the cruel part, is he buys up all these territory stars and then books shows with those old territory stars so that the local fans are like, oh, hey, this is where Hulk Hogan is and where Sergeant Slaughter is or whoever, you know. This, when he, this is where the Freebirds are. 
Yeah, his first now. his first uh his first show in AWA's territory just looked like a normal fucking episode. AWA of it just looked like an bed. AWA show. Well, but and it well it also looked like just a normal future episode of like Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Uh def yeah. Uh but so but then but there are two territories where this strategy didn't really work. Uh Memphis it didn't work. He tried to pull yep. this shit in Memphis, and Memphis was and Memphis specifically, Jerry Jarrett's territory, was very Memphis didn't give a shit about these like stars, these match big matches with no storylines. Memphis was built on the idea of blood feuds. And so <laughs> and so Hulk Hogan wrestling Moondog Vashon because he's a local, so he was not going to get the Memphis crowd to clap like seals because that's a name we know. Yeah. Because they know that Hulk Hogan's never beef with this guy before. Who gives a shit? Yeah, why the fuck are we watching this? And so that didn't work. And then it didn't work in Georgia, in Atlanta, because the Southern wrestling fans don't give a fuck about this Yankee and his circus wrestling show. Absolutely. They want real wrestling. They do. They want the real wrestling. Uh, so the ratings sucked ass. Uh, in <laughs> okay. fact, they got, not only were they disappointing, uh, Georgia, Ole Anderson created a new Georgia wrestling show, Championship Wrestling from Georgia, got a time slot on TBS on Saturday mornings, and outdrew the WWF shows. Oh, shit. That's amazing. Wait, that, uh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Then, but you know, that could be, that could be survivable. You know, you could pick, you could pick up ratings, right? Well, the other problem is this is where the beef between Vince McMahon and Ted Turner started. Oh. Uh, because Ted Turner let Vince buy these share, these, te- these time slots with the assumption that Vince was going to do what GCW did, which is do live in-studio filming of wrestling shows in Atlanta. And Vince didn't want to do that. In the no. WWF, the WWF instead did reused house shows and other shows. Basically, GC, basically GCW on TBS was like a D-level WWF show. They did yeah. reruns of matches that were on house shows and other televised wrestling shows. But they were in big arenas because that's what WWF thought they needed to prove how big time they were is they thought that was more appealing than filming in a rinky dink studio studio in Atlanta. We're going to show our big arena matches and the audience disagreed. And also Ted Turner was mad that he, that Vince lied to him and didn't it, film it out was, of the studio. Was it, was it like, was it a lie from Vince or was it kind of a, like, uh, you know, I'll think about it sort of, sort of deal. It's my if my understanding is that he told Turner he would do it. Like he was oh, he like shit. nominally agreed to Turner what Turner's demands were and then just didn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then the so shit was bad and Ted Turner all actually tried to buy the WWF from Vince to kind of uh, to uh fix this situation mm. and Vince rebuffed him. 
And this pissed off Ted Turner and is alleged to have been a motivating factor in him buying WCW in about three years. So that, speaking of that, I remember, you know, early on, you told me about the, the infamous Ted Turner quote of uh, Vince, guess what? I'm in the wrestling business. But like, he was always in the wrestling business. He was. Sort, you know, he didn't own a company, but he. Oh, that's. He, oh, okay. And W. He always, okay. He oversaw the distribution of the shows. Yeah, because it's, okay, it's, it, it's, it, it. it's his. It's his. Sta- it's his super station. It's his channel. That's. That's. And. Okay. All right. Was, all right. He wanted wrestling on the TBS super station. That's. It's that all was coming together. Movement. Yeah. It's all so the Vince, Vince and Turner don't get along. The show is losing money. Um, and so Vince sells the TV shares back to Jim Crockett. Yes. In May of 1985. Um, the show, they always, I've heard it said on, on doc, on documentaries before they treat it as if like this money, the, is that, is that when Ted Turner bought those shares for a million dollars, that time slot for a million dollars, he funded WrestleMania, which is in, on a literal level. That's anachronistic. WrestleMania one was March, 1985. The sale of this time slot was May, 1985. Mm. But I guess you could argue it was like a good nest egg for Vince because uh, in night, obviously Vince is aggressive. Uh, Vince's extremely aggressive tactics were putting him in a lot of debt. And yeah, of course it was said, it's been said by pretty much everybody that if WrestleMania one flopped, Vince would have had to have filed bankruptcy. That was, that lost. was like the lynch that, that, so that really was like the linchpin. Yeah. Like him. he was, he Fuck. was so low on money by 1985 that like this needed to work. Or that it was his like, that, that was, that was basically him. Like, uh, he had built mm-hmm. up all this shit, and like this was his chance to like to culminate, and it needed to culminate in WrestleMania one being an amazing success. That's so fucking nuts that like that it really did all like build to that of of like mm-hmm. it's the end, but the moment has been prepared for sort of shit. Oh my, God. yeah, but and it obviously worked, and, and so yeah, Vince just kept the machine going. Which only made it worse for ever for the NWA. Of course, naturally. Now, I don't want to give the impression that Vince McMahon was the only wrestling promoter in the entire world that thought maybe we should nationally expand. They all, a lot of the a lot of the NWA members thought about it. Of course, they saw the money that was there, and they saw the way the tides were turning, and thought. Maybe it's time to do some national expansion. Um, like Bill Watts in the UWF gave it a shot. Uh, Joe Blanchard's wrestling promotion in San Antonio gave it a shot, gave it a go. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions gave it a gave it a go here. Uh, I will also briefly mention uh, this was to kind of pair to kind of bring in another point is a way that these wrestling companies thought maybe we got a, maybe how are we going to fight the WWF? Maybe we got to team up. And so they started kind of pitching the idea of creating joint promotions. 
as a, you know, and the, an early example, this was pro wrestling USA founded in 1984. And it was an attempt to unify like the AWA Jim Crockett promotions and some of the other bigger, um, um, uh, Memphis, it was, uh, continental wrestling association, which is Memphis, the AWA Georgia championship wrestling, Jim Crockett promotions, kind of bring them all together under one roof to try to stop Vince. And it didn't work because uh, the promoters backed out, <laughs> specifically Crockett, because Crockett wanted to be do its own kind of national expansion. It didn't want to hitch its wagon to this crap. Sure, sure. And that's all to say, and that's kind of lead into my point of where the NWA is in, in, in summer 1985. Because Vince has... One, like their hopes that maybe Vince will just burn himself out aren't going to happen because WrestleMania one was an amazing success. And, and, and it's, it's like a fucking scene in a movie. Like all the, all the guys watch on in horror as, as the mm. ultimate triumph is, is completed and there, you know, someone's mustache falls off or so like just, just sheer fucking devastation. <laughs> Vince ended their whole careers. So now they're regrouping and their newest regrouping idea, throw all of our weight into Jim Crockett. Because Jim Crockett at this, by mid 1985 is a huge success in his own regional territory, but also has purchased Georgia championship wrestling or well, championship wrestling from Georgia. He's purchased that away from Ole Anderson. So he's got Atlanta. And he made the move to purchase the St. Louis Wrestling Club, which is the main wrestling promotion of St. Louis, which is significant because that is the heartland of the NWA. He basically okay. bought the NWA home base. But he, Crockett was Crockett was an, an NWA yes. member, right? Yeah. Okay. He's still a member of the NWA. He's just pick he's just starting to pick up. Wait, he's tracks. still actively a so so were these guys pursuing nationalization? while still being NWA members? They were. How does that work? Well, I'm about to talk about that. Okay, cool. Is basically, Crockett was by far the most. I think, I don't remember if the UWF and, and Joe Blanchard broke away from the NWA when they tried this. I don't actually don't remember if they, they did or not. But I know that Crockett was expanding from within the NWA. And Jill, uh, you know, I we I am only half jokingly going to say that the NWA died in 1985. Like, regardless of however it like any meaning like any meaningful connection to how it existed when it was founded died in 1985. And here's why: uh, because Jim Crockett went to the annual board meeting for the NWA and um, proposed. A few new ideas. Uh, the first new idea is that, you know, that agreement where every dues-paying member of the company got a certain amount of dates with the NWA World Champions. Yeah, we're, we're nixing that. Um, because I need Ric Flair for Jim Crockett. So we are not going to do this equal sharing anymore. But what we'll do is I two days a week, Ric Flair will be free to work for all of your promotions. You can work that out. But okay. I need him the other five days. Okay. 
And rent, rent a flare, my favorite service in in the wrestling uh, industry. And then it was also, but he's like, but you know, if you need flare more than that, we can have an agreement. Is <laughs> I will send to I if we we can run joint shows whenever whenever you need, and I'll send a bunch of my guys. I'll bring all the champs, a bunch of my stars, and we'll split the gate 50-50. And the wrestling okay. promoter said, great. Makes sense. We'll go for that. Here's the yeah. problem, as presented when Tim Hornbaker explained the problem. So Jim Crockett sends all of his big stars to these regional shows. Do- does great numbers, you'd expect, as you'd expect. He's, he's you'd bringing expect. Ric Flair and Dusty yeah. and the Rock and oh Roll Express God. and Magnum TA and the, and the Russians. He's bringing the whole gang. Bringing, uh, the, everybody's here. What are they going to do? What are those local shows going to do next time when none of the big guys are there anymore? Oh, shit. So I guess that means they got to call Jim Crockett and do more shows. Oh. And suddenly Jim Crockett is driving the bus. And Jim Crockett is making and Jim Crockett is making inroads on other regionals that he regions that he otherwise wasn't involved in under the guise of joint show productions. That's fucked up. Holy (laughs) shit. That's that's like that's and here's and another dynamic to consider is that in traditional NWA times, you're only sending the champions. So Ric Flair or whoever, of course is going around and facing a top local guy. That was the idea, is that he's facing the best of these regional companies. But then when Crockett is sending a dozen of his own guys, Flair's just fighting Crockett guys. This elevation of these regional talents by getting to re- getting to interact with top NWA world champions is gone because the NWA belts are staying in the Jim Crockett ecosystem oh my fucking god at this point we are we are we have reached the point where in the eyes of the public jim crockett promotions is the nwa show there isn't a difference it's not (laughs) was there not still a committee at this point there was but i but the committee's desperate the territories are losing and they're losing bad so they are throwing their weight in with Crockett, no matter how desperate and how bad all of this shit ideas are. They're throwing their weight in with Crockett on the hopes that he will kill Vince, and then they can, and then we can worry and, about redistribute. We can get then, back to normal when and this then, is and then over. We can, and then we can Julius Caesar Jim Crockett and take <laughs> everything back to the way it was. Yeah, but in. Honestly, again, ha- only half joking. In my book, Jim Crockett killed the NWA because he oh. he pre- him and him and JCP presented these ideas and these booking choices with the NWA that killed the entire point. It stopped being a joint governing body with all of these members being on relatively equal ground, provided they paid dues. It's the Jim Crockett Promotions show, and everybody else is just playing along. Holy shit. Oh my god. All these guys are such fucking money perverts. Holy shit. This is so nuts. So, yeah. 
all that long to that very long intro to say the NWA is basically Jim Crockett now. Okay. That they are essentially one and the same at this point. I'll 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 kneel before our our king of the NWA, the God mm-hmm. King Jim Jim Crockett. That's where we're yeah. at. So September tonight we're going to watch. Uh, so that's actually leads this idea that like Jim Crockett exists. And so does the NWA it helps kind of explain the era on television. Cause there's two fucking shows. There's mid Atlantic championship wrestling, which is the regional, you know, wrestling show mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. world championship wrestling, which is the show that airs on TBS. Okay. The, that was that the 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 name the World Championship Wrestling was pushed by Ted Turner to have a more national appeal away from Georgia Championship Wrestling or Championship Wrestling from Georgia. Is it is it a direct lineage from one to the other? Uh yes, it's all the lineage of WCW comes from JCP. Okay, so, got it. Which I as I said by this point has merged from merged with georgia championship wrestling okay so it's all it, the same, it. it's all the same lineage now Got it. um so the peacock has both shows to really? different amounts they have mid-atlantic and wcw and so we're gonna watch some of both in this arc uh oh they only God. they only have wcw starting in november 85 and tonight we're watching in october so we are watching a mid-atlantic Hour, the hour-long Mid-Atlantic show and versus the a two-hour-long WCW show. The the Mid-Atlantic show is that the like actual main Jim Crockett show? Just to be clear, or is that it's? I th- what is it? What is it regional to? I guess is, is like it's regional to like the Carolinas where they were filmed, where they were, where the home base of Jim Crockett was. The, the home base. Okay, got it. It's regional to the home base. Did uh, WCW was the national broadcast on TBS. And okay. honestly, it doesn't really seem like Jim Crockett prioritized one over the other. Really? On this? Like, it feels like it's not the same show. I had to double check on that. <laughs> it's not like the same show twice. But they feel relatively equal in terms of their in terms of significance. Okay. But... Now, after a forty, after forty minutes of rambling about no, this is so cool. I'm so fucking happy. I learned about this, Mm. like more about this shit. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Starcade. Starcade was formed in 1983. The idea of a super show to put all your top stars on isn't exactly Mm -hmm. weird at this point. Um, Yeah. Even before WrestleMania, there was NWA Starcade. WCCW had Star Wars. Oh, um, hmm. I I can't believe they got away with that one. To be <laughs> honest, like, they just I, did. They just called it Star Wars. The Lucas Star Wars. wasn't feeling particularly. Uh, I mean, I, I guess days. you could argue that absolutely no one would confuse these products. Well, no, but it's like, yeah, the the, the biggest WCW shows were the Christmas Day Star Wars. Jesus That's Christ. it. <laughs> oh, my. Ah, <laughs> oh yes, the Star Wars Christmas special. Everybody's favorite this wrestling is, show. This is the Star Wars Christmas special. 
I believe it. I mean, one, it's not any. Hey, Von it's not Eric, any fucking Von, weirder than the actual one. The one where the Von Eriks fought the Freebirds in a six-man <laughs> tag. And then, and then Chewbacca's grandpa watched porn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, a the pro wrestling USA tried to do Super Clash. Um, but Starcade uh, was closed circuit TV for its fierce first few iterations. Um, the WWF did beat them to pay-per-view, I believe. Like, okay. I think WrestleMania beat them to pay-per-view. Even if WC, even if NWA got to closed circuit first with Starcade. Okay. Uh, I mean, Starcade, it, ha- it, Nove- it was a November Thanksgiving tradition in their early days, as far as I understand. Uh, the 1983 edition was main evented by Ric Flair defeating Harley Race to win the NWA mm. title. Ooh. Uh, 1984 was main evented by Ric Flair successfully defending the NWA title against Dusty Rhodes. And now we get to 1985, where it, we are once again on the road to Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes. We're running it back again, baby. Hell yeah. And so... The real big, it, this is tough because it's like, it's studio TV wrestling is in the 80s, it, whether it's the WWF or the NWA is the same. Like the matches are give or whatever and storyline progression is minimal on a week to week basis. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, you know, have to give a lot of info. That's why I spent 40 minutes talking about the history of the NWA because yeah, that's sure. more interesting to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, than no. what than the what's happened i've watched two weeks of mid-atlantic shows they weren't bad but there's just not a lot of plot to it's recap just, for us all we just got dudes wrestling now the biggest thing is because again they're in the nwa eyes you need to get people to live shows so mm-hmm. like the important shit happens on the live events not on the tv shows uh the good old days where house shows reigned yeah, anyway, and that's important because the big event they're talking up, and I'm not gonna talk too much about it because they've talked they've talked about it on the show, but they but then we're watching the episode where they've released the footage. Basically, on September 29th, they did a show at the Omni in Atlanta, one of the big wrestling indoor venues of the of the NWA heyday. Mm-hmm. Um it was like it was a huge that was the go-to place in Atlanta. Like that's where the big Atlanta shows where it was in the Omni. Uh, Ric Flair defended his WC his NWA championship against Nikita Koloff in a steel cage match. And after the match, Nikita Koloff, along with his cousin, Ivan Koloff, hey. uh, attacked Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes came down to the rest for the rescue. But then only an Arn Anderson attacked and injured dusty Rhodes's ankle like yes. they had on the october 12th episode of made atlantic they like showed the footage of dusty Rhodes having to be carried out of the ring because of his broken ankle okay and this is all in so a house show yeah this was like an untelevised big event but the october 19th episode we're watching tonight is gonna have all the footage of what happened at the omni so like if you were reading the wrestling new pe- magazines, you probably know what happened here. Uh, but tonight we're going to get to see the footage. Damn. 
It's 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 exclu- it, it's being unleashed from the vault just for yep. our viewing pleasure. How generous of them! The in according to storyline, the NWA has reviewed the footage and is now willing to release it to the public. What have they reviewed it for? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> all Tony Schiavone told me is that they have reviewed the footage. He did not explain why. Are we, t- Tony, are we sending it to like the cops or like are we are we what's 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 the deal, Tony? Nope, he just said they've reviewed the footage and said Tony! it's okay to put on TV broadcast. Oh well, that you know what that is? they 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 reviewed it for for whether or not it was okay to get past the censors. Honestly, and it took valid. and it took them three weeks <laughs> to get well, that far. Look, man, those censors are who they're real rigorous. Anyway, so that is the big. I guess the best way to kind of frame who the champion, who what's going on in the NWA right now is who are the champions because. Okay. This is still, this is old school wrestling. Pretty much everything is, you know, centered around belts. So right. is it, so it's easy to kind of frame the discussion that way. And boy, do they got a lot of fucking belts because Mid-Atlantic is, as I've said, Mid-Atlantic now has a stranglehold on the NWA World Championships, but they also have their own regional championships that they have been, they have had for a while. So now it's just like the NWA is the tier one belts. And then you have like the national titles that are at the tier two belts that are regional to the, to mid Atlantic. Okay. Okay. Got it. So the number, the NWA world heavyweight champion is Ric Flair. I've kind of already talked about what's going on with him by virtue of talking about, you know, what we're going to watch tonight with Mm -hmm. this dusty roads drama. Uh, then the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion is Denny Brown. We have not, I have not seen him on TV at all. And therefore, I don't even, I can't tell you anything about him. Ooh. They, in theory, have a junior heavyweight champion, but he's not been on uh, Mid Atlantic TV at all. Why, why is he junior heavyweight? What? Because he's a why? small, he's, he's, it's a cruiserweight belt. So. Oh, okay. It's the cruiser belt. Got it. Yeah. Uh, the NWA oh, that's such world... a funny way of doing a cruiser belt. Like, oh, you cute little guy. The, you the junior heavyweight. That's that's uh, the Norman. That's the norm in Japan. Like, it comes uh, with it, it comes with a McDonald's Happy Meal. That's that's the norm in Japan. Uh, the NWA junior, like the the IWGP junior, junior heavyweight championship. There we go. Ah, okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. So then, uh, the NWA World Television Champion is Dusty Rhodes. Oh Dusty shit! Rhodes is already kind of the number two champion in the in the company. Champ um, versus champ. Yeah, how, how he has been the TV champion with the and the, now he's injured though, so we'll see if that's a bit up in the air or not. Wait, is but, he is he is or is that shoot injured? Are they like playing up a shoot injury here? No, I don't think it's a real injury. They're just okay. playing it for story. Um, but he is being he has been chased by Arn Anderson. Basically, Arn Anderson is like, I want a shot at the belt. And it can be argued uh, this is a motivating factor in Arn attacking Dusty. And Arn is is Oli's brother? Kayfabe. That's all kayfabe, Kayfabe. but yes. Oh, shit. Kayfabe brothers. Arn and Oli Anderson. Okay. Uh, But Arn wants a shot at Dusty's title. Dusty has four reasons I don't know because... That hasn't that I've only watched two weeks of Mid Atlantic. Um, Fair has not given him a title shot, 
And as I, as I just I mentioned, I, I am going to extrapolate that is a reason, a, one of the reasons that Arn attacked Dusty in the cage. That makes sense. Is he wants his title shot and feels that Dusty is disrespecting him by not giving him that opportunity. Yes, and, and and this will definitely increase Dusty's respect of him. True, true. Yeah. Then the NWA World Tag Team Champions are the Rock and Roll Express. Oh. Uh, Rick, uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Morton, and uh, gosh, uh, the 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 a legendary tag team for sure. These clearly, guys, clearly. I listen. Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton. There we go. Okay. I'm not familiar. I'm not great with this era of time, but these guys were the top stars in tag team wrestling in 1985. Um, these guys, they basically were just cool rocking dudes. You know, they were just kind of cool dudes of the era, but they master basically your, the conception of how modern day tag team stru- match structure goes you know, the beating down of one tag team member to build to a hot tag to another tag team member was kind of popularized first by the Rock and Roll Express. Jesus. Like they were a big reason how that worked, how that got so popular. Uh, they, they were big draws in Memphis, in Mid-South, in, the J, in, the, in Jim Crockett. You know, top star dudes. Um... Uh, who, oh, the Russians are who is trying to compete with. That's right. The Russians, that is Nikita Koloff and Ivan Koloff. Their gimmick is they're Russian and they're communist. Really? Um, they are chasing the, they're chasing the tag, the rock and roll express right now. They're rushing toward those tag belts. (laughs) Hey, but guess what? They're, they are also the six man tag champs. Uh, I assume with one other motherfucker. Wait, wait, uh, rock and roll or Russian? The, the Russians. Oh, the six shit. man tags are Nikita Koloff, Ivan Koloff, and Don Kernodal, who in kayfabe is the trainer of the Koloffs. Like, he's not Russian himself. They don't play it that way. He's just like a regular dude who is like a amateur wrestling extraordinaire or whatever. What's his name? Uh, Don Kernodal. Kernodal. That's a hell of a name. But he is a he is the trainer of of the Koloffs and also is a six man tag champ with them. Oh shit. That's, that's kind of, it's kind of neat that he like actually is also an active wrestler. Yes. Uh, the, the six man belts have kind of been sidelined for the moment because again, the Koloffs are chasing the rock and roll express, but it has been acknowledged that they are the six man champs on television. They want, they, they're, they're sick of having only three belts. They want five much better. They want more belts, more belts for the belt. God. That's, uh, then uh, the NWA United States Heavyweight Champion is Tully Blanchard. Oh, hey! Yes, the son of Joe Blanchard and a uh, legendary member, wrestler, member of the Four Horsemen, we'll get there, and uh, future manager of FTR. Uh, and then future fucker offer from AEW, randomly. It's yeah, it's true. Uh, and future father of of Tessa Blanchard, who would have a very successful, it who would have a very successful time in professional wrestling. That seems that sounds familiar, and that sounds sarcastic. But uh, Tessa Blanchard uh, was Impact's first inner uh, female uh, world champion, but then also 
Uh, she went on a Twitter tirade about how women need to support other women. And the entire uh, women's locker room was like, hmm, that's interesting. Were you supporting women when you were a racist bully to us all? Oh, shit. That thing. Okay, fuck. And we don't need to get into Tessa shit right now. Uh, but Tully is here. And um, his gimmick is kind of just a cocky, well-mannered asshole. Listen, I'm not going to pretend that there... I'm not going to say there is no nuance to any of these characters. Mm-hmm. I've only watched two weeks. I can't speak to that. I will say, though, is that the NWA is... Jim Crockett is doing very serious business wrestling. Yes. They are trying to maintain the facade of the idea of wrestling as a sport. Unlike the WWF, they kind of went whole hog into doing like characters and gimmicks and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. The clown shit. Basically what that mean by that means then is that everybody is kind of a serious competitor who takes wrestling seriously. The difference is that the heels do cheating shit. But like, it's not, it's not, it's hard to identify who Tully Blanchard is besides like, he dresses up nice. He's got a manager named baby doll. And he ostensibly is a fighting champion who defends the belt with honor. And, but he's a cheaty McCheaty little bastard. Ah, I see. I see. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't need to be honest. He's just the best. He doesn't yeah. need to prove that any further. Yeah. So anyway, totally. That's why he has the fucking tertiary singles belt. Okay. Yeah, he's the third. He's the f- number three uh, singles champion. How exciting! At this point. Uh, so Tully though has been chased by Magnum TA. He, uh, oh, you know, hey. Yes, that's where Magnum is coming in. Um, Magnum TA is a big up-and-coming star at this point in time. Dude has got, like, the mullet and the beard. He looks like Burt Reynolds. He's got the leather jacket. He's kind of a cool badass that is really picking up steam here. And uh, he is in a blood feud with Tully Blanchard. I don't know all the specifics. I did see a clip where he, like, non-consensually kisses baby doll. Classic baby face behavior in 1985. Classic. Classic. You know, it, but 1980s wrestling baby faces love to talk to female managers and say how they should get with a real man and then kiss them non-consensually. Yeah, uh, he uh, he's, it's very, he's it speaks, that, it very it truly speaks to the cultural values of the time. Uh, in that, in that, if you're a good guy, it's okay because women want you anyway. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that. this is what being a ladies' man is—a cool, uh, badass ladies' man. Yeah, looking at Magnum TA, he looks like a combination of Burt Reynolds and Jake the Snake Roberts. It's kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. So I know he came on to Baby Doll. I don't know much more about what's been going on with these two, but uh, I do know that Tully Blanchard is sick and fucking tired of dealing with Magnum TA. He <laughs> is like, I am taking a vacation. I you got I got one more open match contract. So Magnum. You can have that. And then after that, I am taking 30 days off. I am done. You are going to the back of the line and I'm (laughs) never dealing with you again. (laughs) And then I need to go sleep a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. 
So Tully is threatening to go take a vacation and is like, I swear to fucking God, you get one more shot, Magnum. That's it. Go away. <laughs> that's awesome. So we'll see where that leads, how that, where we, where we go from there. Then the NWA national heavyweight champion is Terry Taylor. Okay. So Terry Taylor, you may remember him as the Red Rooster. Oh, hey! Yeah, except uh, he's not a rooster here. He's just generic babyface, McGeneric babyface. Uh, and I fucking hate him. Yeah, you're really, so you're really boring. on the Red Rooster hate train. I am. He is so boring. I would rather listen to Red Rooster promos than regular Terry Taylor promos. If I recall correctly, I didn't hate him nearly as much as you did, so I'll be interested to see if I'm as bothered by the generic generic babyfaceness of it all. I I might be, but... he's. I think he's super fucking boring. Uh, He beat Black Bart, who is a cowboy. That's his gimmick uh, for the title. And now Black Bart is is like, I want a rematch. But there otherwise, are, there are a lot of a lot of dudes. It, it just keeps being a thing of of dudes in wrestling named Bart who are also cowboys. You know, mm-hmm. Black Bart, Bart Gun. Yeah, that's it. Now, I they did. There was a great promo though where his manager James J. Dillon, who is kind of like the preeminent bad guy heat man heel manager right now. Oh, okay. Uh, it was hilarious. He cut a promo. <laughs> Where he's like, Terry Taylor should cut the belt in half and give half of the belt to me. Because the thing is, I, my plane was late the night that you fought Black Bart. So I was unable to prepare him. Really, it's my fault that he lost. So I think you should give half the belt to me. And also he will, you will, I will never make that mistake again. Half the, half the belt because they put in half the effort. Yeah, and his and his he's making the argument that like ha- that Terry Taylor didn't beat Black Bart straight up. He only beat Black Bart because James J. Dillon wasn't there. So really, it's partially James J. Dillon's fault. So Dillon should have half the belt. The the heel the heel logic the the heel math. This is this is like heel math one hundred and one. And then Scott Steiner goes and teaches you like the the more advanced course. Yeah. So. Right now, there seem to run back uh, more of that, Terry, I presume. Terry Taylor and Black Bart. Uh, the NWA National Tag Team Champions, the secondary tag team champions of the air of the of the company, and the last belt I'm going to have to fucking talk about. Uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. That's Arn and Oli. Okay. Right now, they're not really doing anything with their belts because again, uh, because Arn is chasing Dusty. Okay. For the world tag title for the world television title. So that so they're not really doing anything with that, but they are the tag, the national tag champs. You said you said they're they're called the Wrecking Crew, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. I see. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. Yeah, and then uh, other feuds going on. There's only really one major non-title feud happening right now, um, that I can remember anyway. Uh, between. The Street Men and the Midnight Express. Uh, the oh, Street, hey. the Street Men are uh, 
are Rocky King and Boogeyman Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> now, old Rocky man, I, Rocky King, I don't know much about his gimmick. He seems like just a cool dude. Uh, but but Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man, is he's got this insane beard and likes to boogie, and he has his manager, Big Mama. And okay, they, they are regular working class men of the street. That's why they're called that. Okay. And, the, and, 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 as, and, and one of them loves to boogie as regular working yeah. men of working class men of the street are want to do, especially yeah. in 1985. Yeah. So Jimmy value and they're fighting the midnight express, the vaunted top tag team of Jim Cornette. Because there is oh, these days, because these no. days, these days, Jim Cornette might just be an annoying podcaster. Uh, but back in the day, he was one of the <laughs> best managers in the business. Uh, his gimmick as a top manager is basically yuppie rich boy that really? nobody likes. Like he comes, he is basically a a rich spoiled mama's boy. He comes to the ring with a tennis racket to show his privilege and what the fuck and he constantly talks about his mother <laughs> and like he even and, calls his I mean, tag team my mother's favorite wrestlers but but boogeyman jimmy valiant is managed by a dude named big mama so like pot meat yeah but that's no no that's not a that's not his actual mother that's different that's fine Ah, uh, I see. Now nah, he is a mama's boy and a smug rich prick. Fuck him. That's what I they mean, say. Yes. And uh, he and the Midnight Express. I mean, it's hard to get a sense of their characters when I think when uh, they just look like other dudes of the era, but they're managed by Jim Cornette. But I think we can at least assume they are kind of yuppie like Jim. Uh, he calls them what? Let me see if it says what nicknames he gave them. Uh, it's Dennis Codry and it's beautiful Bobby Eaton and lover boy Dennis Condry. Beautiful Bobby Eaton and lover boy Dennis Dennis Condry. Yep. Um, so that's a mouthful. Yeah, but they're the Midnight Express. You know, they're they're traditionally their top rivals are the Rock and Roll Express. Ah, know. there's only room for one fucking express, express in, in here. Yeah. But right now they're kind of fighting. Uh they were they were gonna have a match with the street men, and then the street men just brawled with them before the but the bell could even ring. Okay. So that did not go anywhere. But I assume it will be going forward. We'll see more okay. from the Midnight Express and Jim Crockett. And Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette. Yep. Yay. Yeah. So I think that covered everything I wanted to cover here. Holy shit. Yeah. So we're watching the October 19th, 1985 episode of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. If you want to watch along with us, you can do so on Peacock. Um, that is where WWE has keeps all of their streaming a content. That's I still can't believe it's on Peacock. That's so fucking nuts. Yeah, they got they they have Mid Atlantic and um and uh 
WCW. In terms of territory wrestling, Peacock has Mid-Atlantic, AWA, but like late AWA. So, yo, very bad. Uh, WCCW, the old WCW. Holy shit. I don't, I can't think of any others right now, but I might just be missed. I might be for, oh, they have uh, some of Mid-South Championship Wrestling as well. Which Yo, holy so shit. I don't think I think that's all of it. We just got all territory. I know Fuck. they don't have Memphis, and I think that's all the major wrestling territory. I know they don't have St. Cool Louis. They, it would be cool if they had Memphis because of that whole like crossover that Vincent Bret Hart did with with Jerry Lawler. Yeah, that's such nearly lost media. Um, they got men. They don't have Memphis. They don't have Houston. Houston is one of the most famous territories out there that Vince doesn't own anything of. Um, I don't think they have any of UW Bill Watts UWF. I don't think they have any of Joe Blanchard San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any of the St. Louis Wrestling Club. Yeah. Well, damn. Either way, but though, yeah. crazy that they have what they do. Yeah. Would not it's have expected that. Big appreciator of the WWE Network for getting us this much of yeah, territory shit. content. Because obviously, if they Shout were out to all the fucking dweebs yeah. that worked in the in the content department to preserve that shit. And, yeah, you know, obviously, Peacock, we're never, we're probably never seeing any more of that territory shit ever again. Yeah, yeah. Now they're on Peacock, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna when we come back, we'll be talking about some Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Oh boy! And we are back. We have finished the October nineteenth, nineteen eighty five episode of Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Oh my God! Clocking in at a mere. 43 and a half minutes. And it still had seven matches, which should tell you a lot about uh how that went. (laughs) Oh yeah, baby. You know, well, it's funny because when we were, when, when we were gearing up to do this episode before we recorded the front half, you had mentioned, you know, to me, ah, we know how 80s studio wrestling is, which I remembered the fucking WWWF episode we did. And I go, oh fuck, we do know how uh how 1980s studio wrestling is and uh well uh this was certainly a much different beast than that for for better or more of episodes of superstars than like w than like the superstar billy graham episode we did that's fair um Mm. but either way um but it's funny because i remember like when rampage came out jim ross was like yeah, I really miss the good old days of the uh, the, the the one hour, uh, the, the the one hour episodes of just straight up wrestling. And like, I feel like this is what he was talking about. But also, <laughs> this kind of was not my expectation of what he was talking about either. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get so, to it. But the longest segment on this show was a doctor talking about ankle injuries. Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, Jim Ross is sitting there in the good old days, fucking riveted by. Oh yeah, oh there's 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 less swell, and we need mean we need to get rid of less of it. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> Gary Lawler is there for some reason. Did you hear that thing? That was really interesting. Um, yeah, 
So <laughs> we get we open the episode with a cold open. Yeah, pretty normal for Mid Atlantic. They have yeah, nineteen eighties territory wrestling TV has cold opens. I yeah, I didn't realize they could do that. Yeah, they did. They have, they have a clip of Dusty Rhodes being loaded into the airplane to a go to the hospital. Private jet too. Yeah. Well, Jim Crockett can't be said to have been good with money. That's the one <laughs> thing you can't say about him. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sensing a running theme around. I don't want to go deep. We're not going deep into how Jim Crockett fell apart, but it fell apart because Jim Crockett was bad at money and spent <laughs> so much money. And then that he had to sell to Ted Turner. Man, fucking when Paul, when Paul Heyman got ecw going he really was like paying tribute to the territories of old except it was the opposite problem paul Heyman's problem is he didn't pay anybody well i feel like i feel like that that works with i still feel like that works with he's not good with money i I guess but it's like it was it's the opposite kind of bad with money paul Heyman was bad with money and that he never spent any of it on talent the bad jim crockett was bad with money and that he blew money on everything like oh, I geez. don't know, Dusty Rhodes having a private jet. I know, and I have to say the fact that like we get multiple segments on this show that's like the, a lot of people like struggling to fucking like transport Dusty's completely so, for some reason completely fucking immobile body. I feel like is not a great <laughs> thing for like putting over your like top talent but we're, talk, we're just showing how tough how 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 broken his body is and he has to be carried out oh we'll get there um but yeah um we uh we we do our cold open dusty's getting private jetted over to some fucking hospital for shoot um i guess and um and then we get the title card for mid-atlantic championship and wrestling Da-da-da. A very, a very specific state. They have a logo of like all of the states that they are, and it's just such a random fucking. I'm like, whoa, it that sure from, is mid Atlantic. From West Virginia to Florida. I know it's it's just it is the weirdest shape you've ever seen. Um, I love how specific they are with it. Uh, and then we open on a promo from Magnum TA talking about the beatdown Dusty Rhodes uh, went through last week. Yeah, he's he's really upset. He's he's basically he's just he's just so emotional. You know, they're seeing besties. Dusty hurt, they're besties. Seeing Dusty hurt has hurt him more than anything than he's ever hurt hurt him any more than anything in his career. And he's like Ric Flair on site. <laughs> that, that okay, is it me or is Magnum TA not not the best on Mike? To be fair, I this is not his normal cadence or attitude as a promo guy, so I don't know if this is the best, you know. Okay, well, fair enough. Because it looked like he was fucking reading off a prompter, and he staggered. His speech was just staggered enough to to, to match that that intuition. I mean, I I mean, you might still be right about that, but like, this is also pretty abnormal. Like, he's not normally this like quiet. <laughs> That's fair. He is normally um, a lot more of a shouty guy, as is the norm in 1985. They asked him so to I show don't... emotion outside of shouting. This was his attempt at being like serious, subtle, and, and you know, downtrodden. Oh my god! Yeah, maybe may, maybe stick to the yelling, Magnum. 
you know um, so at least let's give him another try in a more yeah. normal magnum ta promo than this. all right all right I'll I'll, I'll 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 hold you to that um i i have a note oh holy shit this really is golden age territories i have no idea what that what that means aside okay oh 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 wait i know like this is after fucking seeing iron claw a few weeks ago like i was like oh shit this is like we are in our own like little fucking like studio area (laughs) and it's got that very specific setup and like this looks like and 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 like like everything just looks a little more low res than we got mm-hmm. once the WWF started taking over the world. Yeah. Um so it's like oh fuck this is like this is like ye olden times the the gilded age of which everyone speaks. Uh it's fucking wild to like actually be here. Sure. Uh, that while Bob Cottle, who's the interviewer, is still talking about how sad and terrible the Flair and Dusty thing is, the street people's music starts playing over top of him. Yay! I was like, I feel like this was a bad production decision. Well, the... They, this is territory days. They're not gonna. They're not on that slick shit. They don't have. They don't have Vince McMahon screaming into their ears to get every single little detail yeah. right. Um, the first match of the episode, we go straight into it. The Street People, Jimmy Valiant and Rocky King versus Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. Yeah, it was really nice, by the way. So, so uh, King and and uh, Boogeyman. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant make their entrance. And then Davis and Lane um, make their entrance. But it I, it was still the Boogie Man's music. They don't playing. show them coming out on camera at all. But it's still, but it's, but was that Davis and Lane's music or was that Boogie Man? Because Boogie Man was yeah, that's still the like, Boogie Woogie. That's still the, yeah, that's still yeah. Valiant's so music. Boogie Man is Boogie Woogie Man. Valiant is is like jamming out in the ring, and Davis and Lane make their entrances, and the the boogeyman goes goes to the the ring ropes, pulls down on them as Davis and Lane get up to the ring apron, and Davis and Lane flip into the ring simultaneously on the beat of the boogeyman's music. Sure, Incredible sure was nice of them to be so coordinated to to match. Yeah. To match with Valiant's music. Yeah, so early on, Jimmy Valiant is whooping some ass, and I'm, I'm just going to put this out here now. Is Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm very easily won over by, like, charmingly goofy gimmicks. Yes, fair. Which means, of course, I fucking love Jimmy Valiant. Yeah, I'm also kind of in the tank for Jimmy Valiant, I think. Uh, no. he's, he's, he's talented and also kind of fun and goofy. Yeah. Um, and and I did write, damn, the NWA doobie work rating, because this match does start off like I, I it feels like I'm watching yeah. like fucking like TNA or AEW TV here. It's mm-hmm. it's it's legit, like, like these guys are fucking going. For as goofy as Jimmy Valiant is, we're doing some serious wrestling in here. Yeah, in he's talented. Yeah, so he gets in his licks, he key, he ta- he does the tag in to Rocky King. Rocky King hits some big drop kicks, but then, you know, the, the Davis and Lane start double teaming him, you know, got to get built to that baby face comeback, baby. Well, uh, big cross body by Rocky. Rocky locks in the abdominal stretch, but then, oh no, 
Here comes Jim Cornette and the. Oh God! Who the who the fuck is that unsettlingly smooth-faced high schooler on screen? <laughs> yeah, I bet that's weird for you. Used to old man thinking of old man Jim Cornette. Crotchety old man Jim Cornette, and here he's like I don't know ten. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. He he comes in with the Midnight Express. Um. And they just start whooping the ass of the street people. Um, Throwing, getting the mats thrown out. Yeah, getting the mats thrown out. Cornette is carrying around a, a tennis racket. Yes, because to, again, to, to signify his his wealth and privilege that he's... His yuppiness. He's a but, yuppie but, who plays tennis. Like, I feel like you don't actually need to carry a tennis racket around all time as a yuppie, like... <laughs> I feel like people get the gist if you're, I don't know, just dressed in a nice suit or something. I like. Well, all the managers in the NWA are dressed in nice suits, so he's gonna stand out by carrying a fucking by carrying tennis a, a tennis racket because Which he doesn't I, use properly. He he doesn't. Triple H went to the Jimmy Jim Cornette school of using a weapon where. Jim, where Triple H hits people with the sledgehammer with the flat side of the sledgehammer, you know, yeah. the state because it's safer that way. Yeah, well, than to how be you fair. would use a sledgehammer. And Jim Cornette doesn't hit people with the racket; he hits people with the handle. <laughs> Which I feel like that could do more damage than the racket itself, because the racket itself, you got a nice flat, but it's, but it's easier. It's, it's easier, but it's also easier to fake a hit. With the with the handle than with the racket. Well, what these motherfuckers can take a bump from a tennis racket. Get out of here. Um, oh, and and then, but then he starts like he grabs, he uh, grabs King and starts dragging him around the ring, <laughs> trying to drag him out of the ring. I guess. Uh, yeah, but like so Jim Cornette's they, just just fucking drag like dragging this guy on his stomach by the legs. What the shit. Yeah, uh, the Midnight Express hit a Boston Crab top rope knee drop combo on Rocky King, basically yeah. killing him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, and He's then just- they try to do it again to Jimmy Valiant, but by God, it's superstar Billy Graham. Go go! Apparently, this is a surprise. I guess Graham is working is supposed to be working heel or was and is doing I think a face he did, turn. I think he was kind of babyface. He just had never teamed up. He just had never run in to help Valiant before. Okay, well fair. Uh, but yeah, I guess we didn't. I didn't talk about it in the front half. But superstar Billy Graham bounced around a lot between WWF and NWA, usually aligning with they want they don't want to put the belt on me, so I'm leaving. Um. <laughs> Very common, very, very common sustainable career model. I mean, it worked, didn't it? But I, so I right know. now, so right now he's in the NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, and yeah, he runs out for the save. He he stops the Express from murderizing Jimmy Valiant, and then he runs them off. Woo-hoo. Pretty much, and 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 the commentators like, "Gah gah, what he, what the fuck is he doing here?" Unbelievable. Yeah. And then, speaking of weirdly, like, s- smooth-faced people, fucking baby-ass Tony Schiavone with a mustache. Yeah, he's got his cute little mustache. His little looking baby like thing. goddamn Robert Sean Leonard from House. Looking looking like David. <laughs> hey, hold up. <laughs> 
but he's talking with Bob Cottle and and they and finally the NWA has released the tapes. Now we can see what happened to Dusty Rhodes. Which Tengu Pregunta didn't what didn't wasn't this something that people saw on the last episode of of Mid-Atlantic? No, they just saw they just saw Dusty Rhodes lying dead in the ring. They didn't get any of the other context for Wait, what why? Because they were they gotta they gotta you know hype this up for TV, man. You gotta you gotta Wait, build it. Oh, was that on a house show? Uh not a house show, but the Omni was the show in the Omni was untelevised because that was, you know. I guess house show technically, but that implies like smaller scale usually. Okay. It was it was a big show because it was at the Omni, which is a big arena for them. But okay. It was untelevised because that was what was normal at the time. Fair enough. Okay, fine. So, that, like, that, that so like, news by this point had gotten around, especially if you read the if you read the wrestling the magazine that it was the uh, that Dream was had been bit. had been injured by Ric Flair and the was, Andersons, but but this is the first time they've released the footage. Fucking dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains a little more of the like hoopla surrounding it then. Yeah. Um, uh, but okay. we, we they also split this up into three parts. Oh yeah, my god! Really hook people on the, through the commercial breaks. Yeah, this is the fucking like, this is the thing where like we're gonna get ratings out of this. Not the matches. No, we're gonna get ratings out of the fucking release of the tapes. Um, and they want you to know exactly what's going on in these goddamn tapes because fucking uh, Tony Schiavone just. Gives a straight up play by play of every single thing that happens. You know, it's very, it's very nice. It was very considerate, very ahead of their time for the NWA yeah, Tony, to, Tony to, to, Bob, to provide. Tony uh, and Bob just talk over the whole thing to explain. Yeah, to yeah, they will. They, they, every single detail. So, well, yeah, very NWA, very ahead of its time for for providing descriptive audio services for their for their blind fans you know very yeah. very thoughtful i mean um, it's kind of nice because i don't know everyone involved in this situation that's true so but nice i just to need to as 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 uh uh as somebody is stomping on dusty Rhodes' face i don't need tony giovanni calmly calmly saying yeah that there there he is stomping on dusty Rhodes' face like they're like i can, I can see it Tony, it does okay. it does it does lack the kind of like righteous anger that something like Jim Ross I know it's so much to lie. It's I feel like it's because they're trying to present this they're trying to put on an air of professionalism I think is what they're oh, going have, for so like they're not the <laughs> Yeah so they're like not trying to be too emotional about like the disgusting act we're supposed to kind of trust that like what we're seeing is fucked up and they're saying it's fucked up and that is enough the, because their vo- the way they emote does not necessarily get that across. It is so dry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, they they say that there is, of course, when 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 we see Dusty Rhodes making the save on Ric Flair, which is it is still so weird. They did a fucking beatdown spot on Ric Flair to re- lead into this. Like this was how they got to this point. Yeah. Um, so because basically the first part of this is because is Flair beat. Nikita Koloff in the in, yeah. a, in the cage match, the and cage. then Ivan Koloff ran in to help, and then Crusher Krusev, who has not been mentioned up to this point, last couple yeah, of years, and it's out, somehow not part of the trios team with the Kolovs, even you'd though you think that you'd think also, that would like, be the Slavic trio. ethnic, yeah, right. Yeah, but anyway, he's bros with them, so he tries to keep the door shut. 
so that no one can get in. And so they're just whooping Flair's ass. And then in runs Dusty, who I had to watch this a second time to catch this. But Dusty just decks Crusher Crusev in the face. Does he? The door open. Yeah, it's hard to see because they they happens in the wide shot of the whole cage. But you can see Dusty at the bottom of the screen walking up to the cage door, decking Crusher Crusev, and that's how he gets to in the door. Dusty just said, fuck your face. I love him so much. Like, what a brilliant plan by Crusher Crusev. I'm just going to stand here and keep the just, door shut. Just gonna One stand guy here walks up sitting, and punches him, and that's it. Sitting to, and we see they have a lock for it. They just don't bring it out here for some reason. Yeah. Well, I got, to be fair, I guess it's all part of their epic plan. Well, wait, no, this wasn't planned. No, the Kolovs are not, the Kolovs are not in on the plan. <laughs> The colas are not. It was it was a collusion all along. No, um, uh, we also uh, do, but but we see like Dusty trying to make the save on Flair, and of course he Tony hits the Schiavone bionic notes, elbows. He the Kolovs are, are oh stunned. you know the whole the whole handed to him. Uh, and... Tony Schiavone uh, remarks that there is of course no love lost between Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Take a shot. Yeah, they're trying. Um, they're trying to sell this as this like, whoa, Dusty is reaching across the aisle, so to speak, uh-huh. and helping bipartisan Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, and saving Ric Flair, even though Ric Flair's a bat, a little piece of shit, and Dusty An has, has fought with him for years, and. It was like woohoo, but then Dust Rick Flair is sitting down from getting beaten, and he starts pointing up at Dusty, and they're like, "Oh my God, what did he say? We don't know." And Dusty's just kind of sitting, standing there, going, "What? What do you? What do you, what do you want, Daddy? What? 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 The, but dream, yeah, the dream's here to save you, Daddy." That's the end of that clip. We will come back, come back at the commercial break to see. Well, no, they start. Him. They. I think. I think we start to see. The the beatdown, or, may, or maybe not. No, we no we, we they they oh, stop no, at don't. the they stop at him pointing at Dusty because then they yeah, come back right. to them and they're like, when we come back, we'll show you what happened. And then okay, there's so this sh- thing. I'm teasing this, yeah. And so also this weird thing they do is yeah they, is okay. So they showed they cut to commercial showing the replay of the first match or like bits and pieces of it, and at the bottom they have these little like pun crap things they they describe the wrestlers with they did this on these other shows too and it's so weird like they in like they cut to the commercial is it and even and a just, pun well some of them are puns some of them are trying to be clever i think oh but they wrote like jim Cornette always on the interference track well they're not even showing an actual replay they're just showing a fucking still oh yeah they're showing a still image of what happened what which what the this, why it why it feels like, like it feels like they like should put guests? that it feels like they should put that after the of end of the match and not then they go to the next I don't think they need it at all. I don't think they need it at all. I mean no, but if you're gonna have it, why not make it make sense? I I got something to say about the senior producer of this fucking show at the end. Oh my god. The producer on this show needs to like he just needs to fucking tighten the bolts, man. This is so weird. Um right. So, so Jim Cornette is always on the interference track. Thanks for that, I guess. Anyway, back to more of this fucking tape that is going to be longer than any of our match. Like, I think longer yeah. than than all of our match time combined in this fucking episode. Possibly. Um, so we, okay, so they show the next part of the tape. And this is when Ole and Arn Anderson jump in the ring and start the whooping on through. Dusty. Flair... 
goes over and clocks the cage from the inside. So and Tony Schiavone remarks that not only is Dusty helpless, or Dusty, uh, yeah, not only is Dusty Rhodes helpless, uh, but he also can't get any help from the outside. Thank, thank you, Tony. I didn't realize what helpless meant. Th- thank you for that. He's not only helpless; he's also helpless. helpless. He's also he's also fucking helpless. Thank you to oh boy, baby Tony Schiavone. Oh, anyway. But by God, Ric Flair hits a top rope knee drop directly onto Dusty Rhodes' <laughs> ankle. And then he locks in the figure four leg lock. And that is where we pause the video before we get to the third and final part. Because, because we got to keep people hooked on yeah, this man, video. What happened after du- Ric Flair locked in the figure four? That's a great question. What's happening in the ring in this episode of NWA? Oh, I don't know. We don't fucking care. Check out the fucking... Roll the tapes. Roll the tapes. So Fuck after me. that, after they promise that we'll be back with more, we cut to the second match of the show. Terry Taylor versus Mac Jeffers. Yeah. That, that it happened. Uh, they, he, they, were doing some, is... they were just doing some chain wrestling. Um... And he, then he, Terry, Terry Taylor was working that fucking arm, man. Absolutely. This like, is he, NWA, he, motherfucker. Where he worked the arm. Here. Yeah, he'd work the arm, and then he'd like do some other move, uh, like flip around or whatever. And you know, Mac, what's his nuts? Doesn't matter. Uh, would would try to do something, and Terry Taylor would avoid it. Then he'd just go straight the fuck back to the arm. Yeah, and then Terry hits a big elbow to the face. I thought this was fun because this isn't usually how anyone does the this sets up for this move anymore. That's about it. Is that Terry picks up Mac Jeffers like a potato sack, <laughs> and then just places him on the top rope, and then hits him <laughs> with a superplex and wins. Yeah, he fucking murderizes the shit out of this guy. Uh, also, Austin, are you okay? You just said something nice about Terry Taylor. That is, I, I no, no. I said something nice about this time period and what was conventions of the time. I did not say something I, nice about Terry, Terry Taylor. Terry, Terry Taylor seemed, seemed a little bit involved in that, Austin. Fuck, you, no. You, do you fuck need me to that. call the paramedics for you? Or are no, you having a stroke? Fuck, you, fuck Terry Taylor. <laughs> yeah, so he murderized. White bread is too spicy for Terry Taylor. <laughs> fuck this guy. <laughs> so, so... Uh, Austin's favorite wrestler, Terry Taylor, murderizes this jobber with a superplex. Walkity walk. Whatever. Walk. The commentary team tries to be like, wow, he must have been 11 feet in the air. I'm like, please, God. <laughs> why? Don't. Why? Why would you say that? That's obviously not true. It's not even close. <laughs> but, but, but maybe, maybe they can. can I mean, do you think these fucking random ass fucking, audience people know what? You, how fucking stupid do you think your audience is? They they don't know what eleven feet, feet looks like. If we say it, it must be true. Anyway, the, the, the fuck are they gonna pull out their pull out their measuring tapes on their TVs? Nah, it's fine. I, I, I'm bring I'm bring I'm pulling out mine just to be annoying. Oh Austin's doing the complex math to see how how the ratio translates. Um. Anyway, so are, yes, there back is more to this. Bonnie and Bob Cottle. Um, this they show again. They're just showing Dusty in the figure four. Walkity walk. The end runs the help. Uh, they've they name dropped Terry Taylor, Sam Houston, and Magnum TA. Magnum TA, you know, Dusty's bestie. 
Yeah, and the Dusty's friends are coming. Eventually, they open the cage. I don't even know how that happened. I don't know. It's supposed to be locked, but they fucking they fucking storm it. And then um, like Andersons and Flair kind of whoop their asses a little bit too, and then just leave. But also, also, what's crazy is like the fans are fucking storming the cage at this point. Like, that is, I've always heard that that is a problem they have to deal with with particularly rowdy angles from the territory days. Is the crowd might just try to bum rush the cage. That happens which, every once in a while. Which, like, I I know the 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 wisdom is that like the audiences probably knew about kayfabe at this point, mm-hmm. but like. It's still wild that they're still so invested in it that they fucking they they like they, they get so in lost there. in the sauce. They're... They just want to fucking like attack shit anyway. Yeah, actual riots breaking out over this. Some over yeah these angles. I mean, I mean to be fair, fucking there's the there's the infamous Tokyo Dome uh, incident with Antonio Inoki and and Vader. So like. Yeah, I guess people just had an extra special yeah. sauce in them in the when 80s, the, man. When the Freebirds turned heel on the Von Eriks, the, the Freebirds always like to talk about how they couldn't leave the cage because the crowd was rioting too hard. Really? <laughs> personal safety, they couldn't leave. That's, That's the way so they tell it. Fucked up, man. Territory wrestling liked to do really controversial angles in a steel cage so that the wrestlers had a barrier. <laughs> strategery yeah that's that's actually kind of awesome i mean it's fucked up and crazy that the fans are like coming up and shaking the cage like in a fucking blood rage over shit that they know is fake but holy fuck man um i guess i guess when they said they were humoring the wrestlers they weren't they were they weren't fucking we're humoring all right you can go to fucking hell yeah. Oh. Oh. You wanna. You wanna beat down on my favorite fictional character and pretend like it's real. Fine. We'll make it fucking real for you, motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. So. No. Uh. Okay. Yeah. So. But. But they eventually clear the heels out, and they. They say that they can't just get Dusty out of this cage normal. Like, no, they have to take down the whole ass cage. Well, that's well. That's well. How would they get him out, though? To be fair, like how, like they have to, like they'd have to be maneuvering his injured ankle around the cage and the rope. Is he really so immobile that he can't be like stood up? They're trying to sell this as his ankle is shattered. Oh my god! Okay, maybe, maybe this is just me being modern wrestling brained, but I. I guarantee you Dusty has taken far more punishment in the ring during matches in his career than, like, this fucking beatdown from the heels. So, like, why are we playing this like this could, like, end Dusty's whole career legitimately? Like, Ric Flair dropped a knee onto him. He's fine. How dare you? How dare you not disrespect this this way? I just, I just, like... Really, was this like was this what could get played up as career-ending shit in the eighties, like a beatdown from a few heels? Like I'm just so used to that being like like that shit happening, and then someone does the run-in spot, and whoever got the beatdown was like, ah, tis but a scratch. 
Yeah, I mean, these kind of like beatdowns where you're like, you have no protective ring gear on, you're just in your regular clothes. This is, this is like, this could, this could be a serious injury. Protective <laughs> ring gear of trunks and boots and no yeah, shirt and, on? Yeah, and your boot, your boots, your, or your knee braces, depending on what they're attacking. I guess, I guess so. But uh, yeah, he's just in his regular boots, and they have to. But anyway, they're talking about he's laying in the pain, in pain, he's, and they're having to dead. wait till the Dusty Rhodes is down. fucking dead. Long live Dusty Rhodes. They have they 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 cut his boot off so that they can you know help the swelling. We just get this like long fucking shot of dudes doing like just homemade DIY. Fucking uh, uh, waiting uh, till the paramedics arrive. Uh, first aid on Dusty first Rhodes, aid, yeah. just for a long ass time. It's so funny. This Dusty tape, with, Austin. Dusty, this Dusty is what's this, getting the ratings. Dusty's face of anguish and pain. He's so he he's he, the dream is hurting Teddy. He's having he's, he's not having he's, so he's acting his ass off in there. Eventually, they do start taking the cage walls down because if you didn't know, back in the olden days before they could just pre-build the cage and hang it above up in like this on the ceiling of arenas, they had to fit when they had cage matches. They physically had to yep. build the cage piece but panel by panel bit by bit uh, in, yeah. in the in the ring as it was happening i know and these poor these poor fucking like shoot road crew guys are having to speed take down the cage for the sake of this angle this is nuts but they take down the they take the wall they start taking the cage down and they, and the fucking down the ring uh, ropes too the yeah. ring ropes too they're really selling this and so they can carry Dusty out and get him out of here. Uh as he is literally yeah. carried out by his friends. Oh, friendship. Uh, uh we cut back yeah, as, as as like it takes four guys to like fucking lift and like Paul Bearing carry him to <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. Uh then we cut back to Tony Shivani and Bob Cottle. Uh they basically say they have talked, they've got a word with Dr. Joseph with Joseph Eswanek who worked on Dusty's ankle, and they've got the updates. Yeah, we cut to... Who I, what I imagine is like... A, a real doctor. Oh, I believe he's yeah, a real oh, doctor. Also, also in between, in between these two things, we get another one of those like weird like title cards. Terry Taylor, a young lion. I, I mean, I guess. Plus, he's not part of the... He's not part of the New Japan Dojo. Hey, hey, was, it, was, that, was that shit up and running by now? Probably yeah. I'm per- I don't. Oh, I don't. You know. I think. Yeah. I think that was a normal thing by then. Damn. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this IRL doctor getting roped into like this kayfabe shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they sent Dave Cro- David Crockett, cl- the world's most charismatic interviewer, clearly, uh, to go Crockett. to go talk to Doctor Eswanek about this fucked up ankle situation. And by God, does he talk? This guy's, yeah, this guy was clearly given the prompt of, like, all right, we got a dude with, like, a fake fucking, like, With a ankle severe injury. ankle injury? Explain make it, make the it problem. S- make it seem legit. And this guy, th- this guy, top of his fucking class at med school, goes, like, all oh, right, that. He, yeah, yeah so- he's actually, he's he actually has a special, a specialty in uh, uh, um, ankle medicine. So he's like, all right, let's fucking do this. Now, so Dr. Aswanek apparently says that Dusty seems to have a third degree ankle sprain. 
is what he talks about here. And he gives, again, extremely long explanation about, like, the tendons and the muscles and the bone and all that, you know, problems and swelling and blah, blah, blah. Uh, David Crockett asks for about a recovery timeline, and Swanick just won't give him a firm answer on that. Oh, gaga. It's almost like this is a fake injury that they don't want to put a firm timeline on. <laughs> He's so like, they can, they're, they're like, they're like, give us all the technical info you can, except for a return time. Do not give us a recovery timeline of that. So then we can be a big surprise move when Dusty reveals that he is, his ankle is good to go. Did we, we just, we just need, we just need you to, to make this seem as legit as possible, but don't make let it, anybody guess. Make yeah. it sound, make it sound like Dusty's career might be. And also we get like this voyeuristic, uh, this voyeuristic <laughs> ass shot of like Dusty's like Dusty just laid out on a table with like a shit ton of ice on his ankle. Yeah. They're like, doing, and they, like we get, we get videos of them carrying Dusty out of the building while Estwanek talks about fucking medical treatment he praises how they d- handled Dusty before he could be taken to the hospital. He called it like the best possible situation, best possible treatment or whatever. Um, because they put him in a stint and they put ice on it. Um, but yeah, so Dusty's ankle is fucked. Who knows when or if he will even be back. Uh, I, def- I, I, I'll tell you one thing. It's, it's, it's definitely not going to conveniently be in time for Starcade. No, sir. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll have he'll be back in time for Starcade. Maybe he won't. We can't say. Who's to the say? Doctor, certainly not. The right. doctor. The doctor doesn't know. There's too many factors. Oh my god. Um. So anyway, uh, another another match. Uh, I'm sure this one's gonna be not a squash. Um, TA versus the Black Cat. Where which, which Magnum- they say before they they introduce as. Before we could get Magnum TA out of our mouths, which um phrasing. Um, oh my. Oh my. And Magnum TA hits two punches, a belly-to-belly suplex, and wins. It's literally the whole match. That's and then they show a replay, a highlight replay, except the match was so short. The highlight replay is just the whole match. Yeah, I, I they they try to play this off as he's just so angry and distracted by the dusty situation because he's pretty like serious and and mad the whole match. He's, oh, is this is this not his like usual like mood in ring? No, I think that's what they were trying to say on commentaries. Be like he's 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 really feeling that Dusty Rhodes thing right now. Fair enough. But he just he just wins immediately. He leaves. Then we got to match number four: the Italian Stallion versus. The Nature the, Boy, Buddy Landell? The OG Nature Boy, I guess? Except not, no. The OG Nature Boy is Buddy Rogers. Oh, a different Buddy. Okay, This is so the forgotten Nature Boy. There were, I didn't Landell. realize there was another contemporary Nature Boy to Ric Flair. Why was there more yeah, than one? I don't know. They feud over this. By the way. Flair and Buddy Landell feud over being who's the, who's the Nature Boy. <laughs> I, d- really? Yeah. Is is Buddy Landell more of a face? Um, no, because he's with James J. Dillon, who is a yeah. Hero. Okay, so what the shit? I don't know. I didn't. I all I know is that happened. Uh, on the outside of the ring is Thunderfoot. Yeah. What who, the fuck? So Thunderfoot is a dude in an all red bodysuit. 
And his gimmick is that he kicks really. He's got a loaded boot and he kicks really hard. He's also got like a bunch of weird like circle patterns on his bodysuit. He's got what looks like a mouth on his ass, which is a choice. <laughs> James J. Dillon has a fucked fucker stable. He's got Nature Boy Buddy Landell. He's got Black Bart. Who, and he's got Thunderfoot. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is a weird fucking like crew, man. I didn't know what this shit was happening, but it was just it was yeah. just shenanigans. And also, sorry, one more thing I need to point out about Buddy Landell is that not only is he also the nature boy, but he also has the exact same fucking hairdo as Ric Flair. He's just a Ric Flair clone. Why? Feels, what is he feels, he feels like we accidentally cloned Ric Flair, but it came yeah. out just a little bit wrong. Yeah, the Ric Flair clone saga. This is his Ben Riley. Oh God. Um Italian Stallion starts out hot. Buddy Landale goes to the outside and has to get a hug from JJ Dillon to feel better. <laughs> yeah, what the what is happening? Who is this guy? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. This guy who looks like fucking Toby Maguire in a blonde fucking wig. I don't want to knock male intimacy, but also that just threw me for a loop. That when he went <laughs> to go talk to JJ Dillon, it's not, it's not the usual heart. mo of the night. It's, it's a little. It feels a little. It felt. It felt out of place in 1985 wrestling to just go hug a guy. Um, get Buddy Lando gets back. Gets back. He takes control. He knocks Italian Stallion to the outside and then Thunderfoot loads the boot. And the way he does that is he just starts kicking his boot into the ground a few times. And then he goes and kicks Italian Stallion in the face. He's powering up. With the loaded boot. Which, what's it loaded with? Chutzpah. There we go. Um. And then he gets in the ring. Buddy Landale. Before we go back into the ring, commentary legitimately does a don't try this at home message. They do. I didn't think I'd ever actually hear that. No, they're like, kids, you know, don't try this at home. You know, you know. Don't load your boots, kids. It's a danger. (laughs) Could kill a man. (laughs) So old Thunderfoot loads the boot. And then Italian Stallion gets tossed back in the ring. Buddy Landau drops his famous elbow drop, apparently. And then he locks in the figure four and he uses the figure four to get a pinfall win. (laughs) Which is a choice. So, okay. Why does he exist? Do you know anything about this guy? Why Buddy Rogers passed down the nature boy thing to him as well? Because clearly, so, so was the, did the figure four also come from Buddy Rogers? Probably, I assume so. Okay. I don't know a lot. Of, I don't know Why? a lot about Buddy Rogers, but I'm just assuming that. Sure, fine. Yeah, this is fuck. This was this match. This was the most fucked up match of the show. Some real fuck fuckers shit. <laughs> what was um, happening? For real, just for real weirdos. And then uh, the next match. Arn Anderson versus Jim Jeffers. And Arn Anderson, we cut to him. He is in his regular ring gear, but he also has a fedora on. <laughs> I I didn't catch the fedora. Oh, no. He pretty quickly takes it off, but he does 
for a split second there, dude is wearing a fedora in his regular ring attire. Oh no. Oh no, Arn. I didn't think you would be cringe, Arn. <laughs> And then Arn uh, just whoops this dude's ass, hits a face plant suplex, and wins. That's it. That's it. Uh, that yeah, that was another like two second. That might have been our shortest one. No, I, I think, think Magnum is the shortest. Magnum's Arn, the shortest. Arn, okay. I think Arn is number two. Okay. Um. Yeah. Actually, okay. no. He's he's got to be at least three because there's definitely one match shorter than what Arn had. Another match with short arm. We'll get to it. Oh um, yeah, okay. The rock and roll match was absolutely. Yeah. Oh fuck! You're right. You're right. <laughs> yup. Um. Okay. And then it's time for Rick fucking Flair. And I did transcribe the whole Rick Flair promo. Oh boy. Yeah, Thought I don't know how you did because at one point the subtitles literally said inaudible. Yeah, it's yeah. I did. I did have to rewind a couple of times. I pause a lot in between watching when I transcribe promos. I pause a lot to um, get this stuff. But then Bob Cottle is like, is like talks about how he's losing faith in Ric Flair over this his heinous actions. Ric Flair makes some low, <laughs> makes some quip that probably makes sense to the local fans of the time. I don't understand what that was about. Okay, but here's the here's the real promo here. You don't lose faith in winners. And Ric Flair, every day of his life, woo, just keeps winning and winning and winning. And you and know DJ what? Khaled is a, a baby, a young DJ Khaled is somewhere going, that's a good idea. It's <laughs> a good idea. And you know why, Bob Cottle? I've got the most positive attitude. I've got the most ability. I've got the greatest physical attributes. And I just happen to be the greatest athlete alive today. Your world heavyweight champion. So Bob Cottle, don't you, and I've known you for almost 10 years, don't you stick that lower lip out at me, brother. Try and degrade anything I'm doing. Because I'm still standing here, custom made, brother. Woo! And I mean custom made from the alligators to the old Lake Cassini right here. Ric Flair, there's only one. And I don't care if it's Tokyo, Japan, Greensboro, Richmond, Charlotte, North Carolina, Asheville, Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, L.A. You know, Jim Crockett is taking the world. And I'm the man that's making it possible. The world heavyweight wrestling champion. Only one. And the Magnum TAs, the Dusty Rhodes, the Landells, the Koloffs, the Wahoos, the Tully Blanchards. And I tell you what, all of a sudden, I'm starting to like Tully Blanchard because he's a winner too. I like the Andersons. And you know why? The Andersons are winners. Are winners. The bottom line in this sport is you walk down that aisle, you get in that ring, and you win. Woo! Wow. That was... that. First of all, that was good. Uh, second, second of all... Uh, that I uh, yes I well I, I must give that a DJ Khaled out of ten. Second of all, all I do uh, is win. I was win, 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 no matter what. Uh, and third of all, Jesus Christ, that man had so much energy, and by energy I mean probably cocaine. Um, a little bit of both. 
little column a little column b the promo is a lot of rick flair being rick flair rick flair However, there, yeah there's not I, much story progression i here. will Man, say is he though, winning is the interesting part is the very end there when he name drops tully and he's like you know all of a sudden i'm starting to like tully blanchard that's set up this is set up well oh we four, we see more set up later horse, i think yeah but the but, four horsemen are coming they are oh they're coming and he, right. and, no um and that's a and there's a little little foreshadowing there's there there's being a like you know we, suddenly seen, i i like this tully blanchard guy we've seen three potential horsemen but we need one more and yeah. and right the no, fuck on the cue, four you know what Blair, tully and the andersons is four well, no, that's what I'm saying, but oh. but we have yet to see Flair oh, okay. and Tully team oh, okay. up. Oh, that's okay. what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, okay. Whereas Flair and the Andersons are clearly like buddies at this point, but Tully, yeah. we need one more. He's uh, he's on he's on his way. Um, Woo! <laughs> then our next match of the show is the Rock and Roll Express versus Gene Ligon Ligon and George South. And uh, uh, they do what's two his nuts moves. one and what's his nuts two. They do two moves. Um, Ricky Morton, actually, no, it's Robert Gibson was in the ring. Yeah, I got that right. Robert Gibson whips this guy to the ropes, and they do this weird. It's almost I think it's a botch because it, it it looks like a botch where he like rope he like wraps his arm around this guy's neck and then drops him it's kind of like a sling blade but fucked up and definitely not looks right and then he just pins him and wins i was like what uh yeah it was like two seconds long and i didn't even fucking register what the hell happens i had to look i i had to rewind because i looked away and missed the finish and i was like wait what what happened (laughs) And having seen it again, I still don't know. The, it's a mystery. It's a mystery forever. Fuck you. It's a, it's a, it's a, this, this random ass squash mash will keep us guessing for years to Whatever. come. Whatever. The Rock and Roll um, Express. Yeah. They're so yeah, cool. Yeah. They, every, everyone's, everyone's winning in like under two seconds on this fucking show. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, hey, uh, right on, right on cue. Well, I guess a little bit less um oh wait no 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 wait hold up yeah it's jim Cornette's now this is when jim Cornette's promo yes. is oh oh fuck fuck sorry one thing i forgot mm-hmm. to mention about the rick flair promo sorry i completely sure. fucking forgot this um uh is he mentions how rick flair is gonna like take over the world jim crock is taking over He's the gonna world take over the world but he the places he mentions to encompass the world are all of the places along the Mid-Atlantic and Japan. The whole world. There we go. And right he there. says LA and and Atlanta. Oh, well, those places too. That's the whole world right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I did also think it's a little fucked. Like, knowing we talked about in the front half and the context for what the NWA is in 1985, it feels a little like, fuck you, I won. <laughs> To be openly talking about how Jim Crockett is going to take over the world. He's just getting bold about it at this point. Yeah, we thought we thought fucking McMahon liked to wag his dick. Holy shit. Um, okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, Jim, uh, Jim Cornette time. Baby, who let this middle schooler on set? Um, 
You said you said you didn't write anything for the cornet promo. No, because it is literally just him in his own voice giving a recap of what happened in the first match. Yeah, uh, I will say he did have one line that uh, I wrote down. He says he says of uh, the street people, um, "You uh, you are a joke, and everybody knew it, and it amused me for a couple of weeks. But then I woke up and realized I had bigger fish to fry one day. And uh, oh, hey, that's my exact feelings about Jim Cornette. Look at that. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, hey, pew pew pew. Anyway. Uh, and then speaking speak of the devil uh, from earlier." Tully Blanchard is here, and I guess Ric Flair really does like him because he clearly fucking let Tully borrow a piece from his ostentatious robe closet. Yeah, it's Tully versus Mark Fleming. Um, Tully is a squash match like every other match on this show, but we do get big Magnum chants from the crowd during the match. Oh, gaga. Oh well, yeah they they just they just want to see Magnum kill this guy. Uh, yeah, fuck this has, dude. When is Magnum gonna kill him? He he also he has he has a uh, he has baby doll in his corner and she's she's just there. Um, yeah, she is and, very just there. Um, and despite the power of the Magnum chance, Tully does murder this jobber he's facing. He wins with a slingshot suplex. I was like, that's neat. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And then we end the show. With a promo from Jimmy Valiant and superstar Billy Graham. And oh my god. All right. So they have never teamed before, as we as we said. Yeah. And but in the words of Jimmy Valiant, because I did get a few of these down because I wanted to do the voice. Have you ever had a gut feeling? Have you ever had a feeling in your heart? Had a feeling in your soul about a punch a person because the subtitle says punch it because that's the best it can interpret what, what the fuck but he says person and it's it was style billy is that person super style billy there's a mean and vicious individual but at the same time superstar billy will take the time to get down on one knee and talk and talk to a wheelchair and talk to a cripple kid that's what how do you, people are how do you know this first of all <laughs> and 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 second of all is the street people's gimmick just being homeless is that because i'm starting to suspect that might be what's going on here <laughs> jimmy valiant looks like a homeless person he kind of does no funny, uh, and, that, well, funny, and, and his name is street people and apparently what street people do is get down on one knee and talk to crippled kids <laughs> which i feel like you'll see a lot more of those if you're on the streets a lot you know because yeah. you don't have a home so yeah, like, it's it's crazy, David. We found someone with worse facial hair than you. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, dude. No, what? And then and then superstar pops in. He's like, some people got spirit. Some people got soul, and this man's soul goes down to his bones. We don't just got passion, we got compassion, and that's deep passion. Compassion oh. to the soul, to the oh, bone. They got, they got that deep compassion, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how street people do. Yeah. Yeah. So, woohoo, 
the boogie woogie man, my new favorite from Mid Atlantic. I have to say, I'm week. really digging him. I I do. He he and and fucking uh 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 Billy Graham. They they yep. do feel rather cut from the same cloth. Yeah, just two complete weirdos. <laughs> just <laughs> just some together. just some deeply bizarre <laughs> men. They belong together. Um, and then we go we we go to the credits that are played over replay number two of the Magnum TA match that is played yeah. in super slow motion so it can fit the duration of the fucking credits. Yeah, so I made note, senior producer Virgil Runnels, fuck that guy in particular. Oh shit, Vir- wait, Virgil Ru- Whoa! Oh, oh that's, shit! That's wait, Dusty, hold up. That's Dusty's that's real name. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, so that guy's well, a piece of shit yeah. in particular. <laughs> But damn, maybe maybe he might be dealing with like maybe he's dealing with some shit that means his product's gonna you know maybe he's got like some kind of like physical ailment going on or something that 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 takes him away yeah. from his 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 duties. Uh, they as, also, as the they, also they also credited floor managers, and I just thought that sounded really amusing to think of a wrestling show having a floor manager. Well, I, I mean, to I be fair, they, they have floor managers in the form of cops who make sure that these crazy rabid fans don't fucking storm storm the wrestlers as they make their entrance and exits. So there's that. No, but they, they run a full credits of like producers and yeah. and, and, and and crew and it is wild that they are so like big on the TV game like this early on. They're trying to sell this as legitimate real TV sport, and by that, and yeah. so therefore we will credit the producers. They'll keep now, that going. They'll keep that going in WCW until deeper into uh, Eric Bischoff's time. Like when they get to Nitro is when they stop doing that. I, I think it's kind of nice that they do that though. Like I I think I think I think crediting the producers is is like you know a nice nod to. Oh whatever. I agree. I agree. I think it would have been cool if they kept that up. If that was, now, it would be cool if that was a norm today. Now, yeah, true. Well, n- now the question is: Do I do I think that uh the, that they know entirely what all of these roles are? Maybe not. This could be a fucking like. Tommy was so making the room situation. He didn't know what the hell a line producer was, but he made Greg Sestero one anyway. So maybe they don't know what the hell a floor manager actually does, but they, they sure are going to like make it look like they're doing legit TV. And I respect yeah, that. I agree. Um, senior producer, Dustin Runnels. That's or uh, Virgil Runnels. Virgil Runnels. Yep. <laughs> oh, delightful. Okay. So that was our first episode of mid Atlantic wrestling. And like, yeah, it was kind of neat. Like, okay, fucking squash ass matches abound, and the biggest goddamn thing on this show was a replay of like their unaired beat down on Dusty Roads and every single thing that followed, and also like the yeah. doctor giving his deeply technical prescription of what the fuck happened to Dusty. Um, but you know, it it breezed by and when the work was rating, it was rating, and the it's some fun new characters for us to dig into. So, you know, I had a decent time with this. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it's only an hour a week. That's I am nice. Yeah, I am slightly bummed to kind of realize that Dusty is not going to be on TV until we hit Starcade, probably. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I I I just I just want to see more Dusty, man. I really like Dusty. Um, 
Yeah, that, but anyway, that is our episode here on Mid Atlantic. We will be back uh, a few more times to watch both episodes of Mid Atlantic and World Championship Wrestling to kind of compare and contrast. You know, like what their two TV shows were like in yeah. the eighties. I'm excited to see kind of what the what the other half, what the national TV audience was, because obviously, because this stuff was you know local. This was this, this was the local, local regional mid-atlantic crowd saw this TV. which makes it so interesting like the the mm -hmm. way they kind of cater to one versus the other yeah let's see what the nationals on tbs get to see but we'll get to that soon enough wwe network doesn't have episodes of wcw this far back so oh shit okay well, fair enough yeah they start on november 2nd 1985 is the earliest episode oh really so yeah. we're like right on the precipice of that shit. Yeah, but that means also I was like we had to watch Mid Atlantic for this week. That's we fair. Couldn't, I couldn't choose to show the WCW. <laughs> we don't. We don't have the option at the moment. No, no. But the, uh, for next time, yes. it is a return to Lucha Underground. Oh baby! Last Let time we were here, Dario Cueto got stepped to by Pentagon Junior, and then Pentagon Junior died. Well, so, yeah, yeah, he, not perma dead. We have to, we do have to clarify on that show. He did that, not end up true. Dead. Um, but for, uh, for Lucha, but you know, for regular wrestling standards, he died. He, 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 regular wrestling died. Um, he had to be stretched uh, the fuck out of here. Uh, we, we got a, we got a head cannon about a fucking uh, underground uh, uh, black market breast milk ring. Uh, and yeah. Rey Mysterio talks some talks some mob shit with Dario Cueto. Yeah, but woohoo! We there's some fun stuff coming up in the next episode. I'll tell you. I don't. Uh, we'll save the descriptors for next time. Ooh. But just but just reading the episode. The next episode is called Bird of War. And oh, we got some. We, we do got some birds in the temple. What could it mean? Uh, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. Dear friends, thank you all so much for joining us on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you here. If you are a returning uh, listener, viewer, what have you, uh, thank you all so much for, uh, you know, the, all the usual. Uh, joining us once more, being back with, with, with this weird little show that we like to do uh, and, and, and having a good time with us week after week after week. Uh, uh, return or new people. Hey, hi, how's it going? Welcome to the show. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the weird bullshit, we are just so delighted that you decided to join us and we hope you had a good time and want to keep joining us. I'm going to make sure you know all the ways you can do so. First of all, of course, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Uh, 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 check out all of our playlists because Austin has been kind enough to organize all of the storylines that we follow into their own separate playlist so you can follow something all the way down without having to skip around a whole lot. It's great. <laughs> Give us that sweet, sweet engagement if you're so inclined. Likes and comments do, do a hell of a lot for us. Uh, and uh, you, you can see our beautiful, lovely faces. You can see my immaculate fucking American dream drip in the in the first half of the uh, the first half of the episode. You know, you don't want to miss that. Um, uh, so be sure to check all that out on the video version on YouTube. However, if you're a fan of the audio only experience, we have you covered there as well. 
You can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which, of course, are Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a listen there. Uh, download our show. Uh, 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 ratings and reviews are a thing you can do if you're so inclined. Uh, you know, maybe a nice little five stars, maybe a nice little message like, hey, these guys are pretty chill. More people should be listening to them. Just a, just a thought I had just now for the first time ever. Um, uh, and, uh, and you know, just 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 all that good stuff. Just it, you guys engaging with our show on any platform. It's it's tremendous. We love those viewership numbers. We love that engagement. It helps us out so much. So if you enjoy our show, you know, a little symbiotic relationship. You, yeah. Th- 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 thank you. Um, so be sure to check all that out. Uh on uh, the audio-only version, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. On top of that, we, of course, exist past this void that we find ourselves in week after week. Um, if you want to get, uh, if you want to find us on the interwebs, you can do so on our Twitter account, at Noobs and NoxPod. That's at Noobs, letter N, NoxPod on Twitter. Uh, we do the whole Twitter thing. We, we, uh, we post, you know, we, we, we joke around and do memes and for, for better or worse, engage in IWC discourse. Uh, we uh, we we post we put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode, so you guys always know what the hell is going on. Highlight of our Twitter is of course weekly wrestling live tweeting every Wednesday night at eight PM Eastern on TNT. We are watching and talking or on TBS. Pardon me, Jesus. We are watching and talking about AEW Dynamite uh and uh and just having a having a grand old time with that so you know you can watch along with us there uh that's i i tend to run that portion uh on top of that when i have the time to uh uh i will sometimes also tweet out uh during um aew rampage on tnt at 10 p.m eastern on friday nights and aew collision on saturday nights at uh 8 p.m on tnt as well uh just you know kind of little bonuses when i have time to so you can always check out, check us out to see if you can follow along with us there. Um, on top of all of that, uh, our, our dearest co-host, Austin, um, he follows uh, all of the three major American wrestling promotions. Uh, he likes to make sure you guys are informed about them, informed about how to watch them, how to uh, watch their pay-per-views, especially for all you noobs in the audience. Uh, and sometimes he even tweets about them too. Uh, my friend, what is on the docket uh, coming up? All right. <clears throat> So upcoming next week for the WWE is the Royal Rumble on on Saturday, January 27th, live on Peacock. Now, if you'd like to watch WWE on a regular basis, Raw at 8 p.m. Eastern on USA Network. Friday night SmackDown, Fridays at 8 on Fox on Mm. uh, Pending. Pending. Those are pending. changing very yeah, well, soon. They're in the uh-huh. middle. They're in the middle of TV rights negotiations, and they're moving channels around. That's uh, confirmed. It's TV that, rights like, season. It's confirmed that neither Raw, both Raw and SmackDown, are moving to new channels. So Ooh. we'll be back on that. Interesting. But for now, that's where they're at. And then Peacock, NBC streaming service. That is where you can watch WWE live whenever they have a pay per view. And then is it the Royal Rumble, a 30-man battle royal for the men and a 30-woman battle royal for the women. And each winner will walk away with a world title match at WrestleMania 40. It's always a spicy fucking time at the Rumble, my friends, let me tell you. Yup. Will Cody finish that story? 
I'm uh, I'm starting to wonder, man. I'm hey, starting to, be, to wonder. To be fair, now CM Punk's story is starting to be. Yeah. Uh, will he finish his story? Because Seth Rollins well, is injured. Well, well, yeah. Well, that that's wait. Oh yeah. Fuck. Rollins yeah, is Seth injured. Roll, Seth Rollins tore his MCL fighting yeah. in the gender match. So now it's like genuinely will get his match with Rollins at Mania. We don't know. Bro, that's so fucking wild too. That CM it was Punk has waited match. so long for this WrestleMania main event and gender oh fuck and, and a fucking gender Mahal meme. Make taking a shot at Tony Khan and CM Punk might not get it. That's How's so that? poetry. Absolute fucking poetry. But anyway, also I think that I think though people have I think people are really putting the idea on maybe Bailey winning the Royal the women's yeah I've been starting I've been starting to see that which uh would be nuts that would be sick you don't all the four get the four horse women back on top baby yeah Jesus yeah ba- Bailey finally being allowed to fucking win again after her return um that would be nice. Yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, also, we have a fatal four-way for the UWU Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Yeah, Roman that's kind of crazy. Too. Roman Reigns is finally coming to work. And he... And he's finding out what happens when, you, when you're when you away from work for a while. Your work piles up. So now he doesn't got one guy he's to fight. He's got three guys. Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and LA Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the the road for Roman is looking like maybe The Rock, maybe Cody Rhodes, maybe both. Bro, we don't fucking know right now, do so we? So fucking funny. Uh, if it's uh, if it's if it's The Rock and not Cody, that'll be so goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. People people uh, people are are poo pooing the idea of it being a three way because of their because those stories feel like they'd be better as singles matches. And I might agree, but also it's like if it's good, if I feel like if, if the options are a triple threat or Cody gets shit, then I'll take yeah, the triple threat. I will take the triple threat. And it would be cool to see Rhodey technically beat both Roman and The Rock. And it might help protect The Rock because there ain't no fucking way this dude can wrestle a good singles match at this point. No, no, man. So maybe it would be better if Ro- if Ro- if Rock can not Almost have certainly. to work that much in a triple threat. Almost certainly, yeah, yeah. I think the three way might be the. I hadn't I hadn't heard that discourse, but that might legit like that would actually be smart. Well, that's okay. what Meltzer was speculating about. All um, right, well, in the, on, on the latest newsletter, so that's 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 now in the sphere. <laughs> Well, I can get the fuck down with that. Okay, sure. Why not? Hell yeah. Yeah. And then for the United States title, it is Logan Paul, everyone's favorite influencer. Do not, everyone's do not check favorite me on scam that. Artist. Don't don't check me on that. And versus <laughs> Kevin Owens, who won a title tournament to to get a shot at the title. Oh Christ. I, I feel like he's probably was- not winning this one, but wouldn't it be funny? It would be so, yeah. Make Logan Paul a fucking effect, effectively like a transitional champ. Fuck you. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's taking that belt to Mania. Uh, who the fuck would he face at Mania? I don't know, but I just get, I just feel like they're probably keeping the belt on until Mania. Sure, sure. Probably the plan. 
All right, then upcoming, we have much less to talk about with the next two shows to talk about. So, mm. at next up for TNA, they've mm. rebranded now. They're they're yeah. back. They have changed back to Cross the Line as their song. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they fucking announced that. People marked yeah. out for it. This is the truth I seek. <laughs> this is my destiny. Like 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 they 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 did it for some like throwback thing and everyone like went crazy for it. They're like fuck it we'll just bring it back yeah that's so they're back um they had a hell of a match on thursday they did will osprey versus josh alexander and it fucking banged that sounds awesome yeah will osprey on his like i'm going to aew tour <laughs> so I we know. gotta get in the good shit on the way out you gotta you i mean he can still he can still pop up an impact from time to time but yeah you, yeah. you, you got until you got until uh you got way till March for me, bruv. Yeah, but uh bruv here. Uh bruv. we got Nick Nemeth is coming in, is in TNA now, the former yeah. Dolph Ziggler. The former Dana Brooke is here as Ash by Elegance. Oh shit. Oh fuck. That's yeah. who that is. Yeah, her gimmick is I'm a perfume ad. <laughs> okay like she did it like she did a promo and it was 100 like framed exactly the way you do a perfume ad and it's like ash by elegance it's like all right that's so confusing but i kind of love that at least now people stop thinking she's a tony storm ripoff which is what dumb people thought when she did when she debuted at hard to kill yeah well i i will say when you said that it did sound a little tony stormish of like we're doing just some weird like starlet shit. but it's she's a completely different a kind of robe. <laughs> but she's probably in a flowy robe right uh she hasn't wrestled yet so un unclear. well but tony storm doesn't wrestle in the robe she does the promos in the robe. oh that's fair i mean she's just in like a nice dress like you'd wear oh, okay. in, in like an oh well sure. you know actually thing, distinct so. enough yeah but anyway Upcoming, you know, TNA only has pay-per-views a couple of times a year mm -hmm, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's the economically affordable for them. But they, yeah. when they don't have pay-per-views every year, every every month, they have uh, PLEs, premium Net. live events on oh, yeah. TNA Net. Plus. TNA um, Play. TNA Play, that's right. Uh, TNA Plus, that's their streaming service. Um, but if you want to watch TNA Live every week, you can do that at 8 p.m. Eastern on Access TV, but nobody mm. has that channel. So the better place to look is on YouTube for $1 a month. You can get a YouTube premium subscription and you get to watch TNA live commercial free at 830 every Thursday. That is goddamn exciting. And then TNA plus is but upcoming on February 23rd is no surrender. Oh, shit. I don't like surrendering. Yeah, what will be on the card? We don't know yet. It's been a week. We just we just got dudes. And then for AEW on March 3rd is Revolution in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, right in mid in Jim Crockett territory. I wonder what oh, that's hey. Look at that. Oh, it's because it is Sting's final match. Yes. Yeah, baby. We're going we're going old school to tribute the man, the myth, the legend who is somehow still fucking 
who has somehow wrestled through through to the year 2024 despite like just murdering himself every fucking time he goes out there. Sting by the time Sting when Sting retires, he will be 17 days away from being able to claim social security. Steve Bo- oh, well he timed that perfectly. He's 60 then. because he's 64. Yup. And, and his birthday is the 20th of March. So he shit, he timed that perfectly. Okay. Yeah, Steve Borden is a freak of fucking nature. He will be sorely missed. I have no doubt that it's gonna be really cute and really heartbreaking watching him wrestle his final match with his son Darby Allen. And right. Darby's probably gonna be crying, and then Darby's gonna go climb Mount Everest about it uh until he feels and then, better and die. Um, and, and die and probably die you know because that's that's what happens to a lot of people that sting. climb mount everest yeah yeah sting sting's last match will also be darby allen's last match it's a real Oof. shame and, and, and the, the word that's only kind of a joke um yeah. i'm only uh, i'm only partially joking um, yeah <laughs> Anywho, uh, that is that's coming up on March third live on pay per view. Yeah, we. I actually, I actually, because I from watching, uh, from watching the the weekly television this week, I there is one other match that it hasn't been officially made, but it's it's been unofficially made. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, still we, behind, so yeah, we're looking ahead. we're looking yeah. down the barrel of of uh, um, Roddy Strong versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. Oh uh, my! At, at, uh, oh, at Revolution, about to lose his belt because he's not next strong. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm he's going to get punched in the wiener and driven through a table, and it's going to be the end of that. Yep, and that's the end. Yeah, true. Um, so we're looking down the barrel of that. It, it is. I don't know if it's been officially made, but but that is that is uh, almost certainly what is going to happen. So that's exciting. We're maybe looking down the barrel of a fucking. Speaking of three way matches, potentially looking down the barrel of Hangman versus Swerve versus Samoa Joe. We'll find out. Um, good shit on on the horizon for that. Yep, that is what is happening in the wrestling world upcoming. Hell yeah. So be sure to check all of that out. You know, first of all, we like to tell you guys, like I said, about all these kind of major shows for hey, it's our chance on the show to talk about like, you know, what the hell is going on in the modern world of wrestling for a little bit. Uh, and also, you know, for all the noobs in the audience who are maybe trying to find their way into the wrestling fandom, we like to keep you posted on what the hell's going on, tell you about how to watch the weekly shows, how to watch those uh, pay-per-views that can be pretty good, like jumping on points just because you're bound to get good matches and there's there's you know new storylines starting old storylines ending etc cetera, etc cetera. a lot of good cool shit that happens there um and you know we like to make you aware of your options uh, and so be sure to check all of that out check us out check us fuck check out us talking about all of that over on the twitter uh you know if you enjoy listening to us ramble about wrestling on this show it's it's a pretty similar experience on the twitter just capped off to the 180 letters or whatever or whatever the fuck um so yeah come come over to to see us at noobs and knox pod on twitter if you want to get in more direct and not uh direct contact and not get capped off at 180 characters uh, you can uh, email us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and knockoutspod at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the show, what you want to see us cover on the show. Um, uh, you know, tell us that you think we are super smart and have all the best takes or that we're idiots and have all terrible takes. You know, either way, bit of discourse. Who doesn't love it in the wrestling world? Uh, you know, just just say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockouts pod at gmail. 
patreon.com. And of course, finally, you can also support the show over on our Patreon. Uh, the link for it is in our Twitter. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Shout out, as always, to friends of the show, uh, Sugar Daddy, Kyle Smith, uh, and El Lucha Dead, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, uh, are our most loyal listeners. You guys are the fucking best. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world. We hope you enjoy your perks. If you want to enjoy your perks along with our friends of the show, a single little dollary do ain't, ain't, ain't much to to pull out of your wallet. And hey, it, it helps out the show more than you realize. Um, so we are, uh, you know, if you if you if you'd like to support us that way, uh, you can enjoy your perks, uh, join in the fun over on our Patreon. Once again, the link for that is in our Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.